This episode is dedicated to Prince, who to me, he will always be the king of funk, king of music, the king of color, the king of freakiness, but uh, thank you, Prince, for everything that you've done. So what's up? Hey, this is Chris Latore, and you're listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 51, which covers new comic book day for April 20th. And man, you've just jumped into a whole lot of fun, so thank you for joining us. Please tell a friend, please tell your mom, please tell your grandma that uh, you uh, like Sunspots Comics. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. And thank you very much for everyone that has joined in on the chance to win the first ever Sunspots Comics comic book mystery box. If you haven't joined, there's still times to there's still some time to get your entry in. The mystery box is worth about 75 bucks or more. All you have to do to enter in for your chance to win this free box is just go to Sunspots Comics. Go to uh, follow us Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. Give us a five star review on iTunes. Put a little positiveness there. Drop it down, and the winner will be chosen on May 4th. So may the 4th be with you and good luck couple things on my nerd brain. Captain America 3 coming up May 6th. I can't believe it. I'm on the hunt for some tickets. And I'm so excited to see that movie. I've watched the 1 and 2 just in preparation. Getting ready. And I tell you, Captain America 2 is top 10 favorite superhero comic book movie of all time. It's on the top 10. I haven't uh, laid it down exactly where it is, but that movie is amazing. Stands on its own. It's fantastic. It's adventure. It's fun. It's heart. The soundtrack's amazing. I mean, it's just kick-ass action. Kick-ass action. (laughs) And I love it, and I can't wait. I'm so excited. Cannot wait to see Captain America 3 Civil War. I've stayed away from trailers, folks. Blackout. Too close. I saw the one teaser early on many months ago, and that's it. I'm out, not looking at anything. I'm really trying to just stay away from the internet. And uh, I, of course, people spoiled Peter Parker in there, which I, I, I wish they wouldn't have. That would have been awesome if we just didn't know, and there he was, cameo, but oh well. Deal with it, right? And second thing is National Free Comic Book Day is coming up. It hits May 7th, kind of cool. A couple day a day after Civil War premieres, Free Comic Book Day. So I'm preparing to scour the earth. I hope you are to find as many free comic books as you can. I just wish the system was set up a little better, especially for folks like me that have 140 plus comics on a pull list and are doing at least somewhere between 10 and 20 comics per week, that that the retailer would just hold us aside one of each because we're ultimately going to give it to family, give it to friends, give it to people and spread the word to try to get people into comic books. But no, they they give you three, they make you stand in line, and I don't know. I know it's expensive. I know retailers don't get free comic book day comics for free. 
I just wish it was a little different setup. Huge, humongous lines around the block. Not a lot of fun. But this is the 15th anniversary of it. So very, very cool. And this year it looks like over 2,300 comic books, uh, comic, comic book shops across uh, the nation will get somewhere in excess of over seven, six million comic books, which is awesome. So it's all about spreading the word. It's all about telling your loved ones that comic books are a viable artistic medium. There's great material in there. It's diverse. There is just a plethora of topics and titles and genres. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing. So use free comic book day to spread the love. And the other uh, thing is prints, which we talked about with uh, the interview that's coming up here with this amazing guest, this fantastic, just delightful interview I had with Josh Browning. And you'll hear that coming up soon, but uh, very sad that the passing of Prince. So I dedicate this issue 51 to Prince himself. Another thing is uh, Daredevil Season 2. I am midway in. I already give that 5 out of 5 sunspots, by the way. That is really coming together rather well. And it's, so far for me, better than Season 1 of Daredevil. I am completely enjoying it a whole lot more visually. The acting, it seems like they have found their rhythm. It is uh, just some fantastic uh, TV show, whatever you want to call it. And, I, and Flash is the other one. We just finished season two of The Flash, and definitely season one was a lot better in my opinion, but still loved it. Give it four out of five sunspots uh, for The Flash. Check it out. If you haven't already seen it, go and watch The Flash season one, then buy it, then watch it again in on Blu-ray. <laughs> And I, I, one little thing, it's not really a major spoiler or anything regarding season two, but I thought it was funny how with time travel and Apple, the Apple phone, the iPhone being uh, predominantly displayed on the screen, that the iPhone made it through time travel and back and traveling at almost, you know, Mach 8 or whatever the flashes and the iPhone just works perfectly. He never had to charge it, nothing. He just popped it open at one point where he went to the past and did a recording and it played in the future just awesome technology apple doing it right <laughs> i want that version of must be the that's probably the iphone 6f for flash there you go that's what it is <laughs> but uh without without getting out of that out of the way because there's just this gigantic just amazing delightful fun conversation i had with josh browning who's a fan of the show uh, I, I'm going to go as far as saying a friend of mine. We have so much in common. And he sent me nothing but positiveness on all the social media. Check him out. Uh, you'll hear him. He'll plug his Instagram, etc. on the interview. So we're just going to jump right into that and play this fantastic interview. So here is me and Josh just conversing. Oh, and I guess kind of spoiler alert. We talk a, a little bit about everything, really, from comics that we sort of spoiled to daredevil we discuss to movies to pawn shops to it's just a a plethora of fun so here you go here's me and josh guest listener enjoy so all right i'm actually here with a guest on the show guest listener guest friend of the show whatever you want to call it josh browning how you doing josh i'm great man how are you i'm excellent why don't you plug yourself start off by plugging you well uh (laughs) not much to plug uh (laughs) I do a lot of Instagramming of all the nerdy stuff I'm into, and I'm at Josh underscore watches underscore movies on Instagram, and then just Josh Browning on Twitter and uh, face, uh, Facebook. Not really on those a whole lot, but Instagram's kind of where it's at for me at, at the time being. I've kind of migrated from Facebook to Twitter now to Instagram. So. Me too. Like, exactly. Yep. 
So, and I want to get into too the name of uh, and talk about your love of movies here quickly. But I'll, I'm going to be all over the place and just throw a random amount of questions at you. So, anytime you want to stop me or you need to, uh, you know, you need to run, I'm just going to keep talking to you until you just stop talking to me. So, <laughs> uh, I'll keep talking as long as you want to. We can make this last all night. <laughs> awesome. Well, how did you find the podcast? I was. Uh, how did you actually find it? But honestly, I think it was Instagram. I've been trying to think back. Uh, how, how did I hear of Sunspots Comics? And I think I saw you on Instagram posting some comic stuff. And um, I had just started getting into comics. And uh, I was like, you know, this guy's posting a lot of stuff. And then I did happen to notice that you said something about podcasts. I was like, looking for something just to kind of get common ground from other comic book readers other than just the, the visual on Instagram. And I was like to find me a podcast and this guy's got a podcast I'll give this a shot and I've been listening ever since man I, I'm digging the podcast a lot I, I like that you kind of focus on newer stuff and uh, kind of give you know props to the old stuff as well I mean uh, you know, just you read a lot of the same stuff I do and it, it's cool So, and I've actually picked up a lot of stuff from recommendations of, of stuff you've read so oh, that's awesome. I, I really dig it a lot that's awesome because that's like the whole uh, the whole plan right that just to to spread the love that I have of, of comic books and to inspire someone to actually go and buy some paper comics. So you're not of the church of comicsology either? Uh, I do get digital issues when it is convenient. Like I just got back from a vacation and instead of taking comics with me, I'll throw them on the iPad and just read while I'm on vacation. But I, I prefer... Um, we briefly discussed before we started recording uh, of you know buying things as opposed to you know doing the digital. Uh, I'll take this because I want it for free sort of thing, and uh, I was doing that at first. I was like, you know, I I'm almost forty years old. It's a little late to get into this whole collecting comics thing. <laughs> and then I just I've got a good friend here who who was you know collecting comics, and he's I've gone way overboard compared to him here lately, <laughs> but. Um, you know, he kind of, I've always had the interest in comics like X-Men and Spider-Man. Of course, you get all that when you're a kid. But um, I just, uh, I kind of, I was like, you know, if I'm going to be reading this stuff and I am enjoying what I'm reading, I should be supporting the artist. I should be supporting the writers. I should be doing something to support the art. So I was like, you know, I I am enjoying what I'm reading here. Um I'm going to go ahead and take the dive. And I, I have a really, really cool comic book shop here in town. I've actually got three, but there's one main one where I've got my pull and everything at. And, What's uh, it called? What's the main one? Name one. Uh, it's um, New Force Comics in Panama City, Florida. Nice. Uh, it's run by a guy named Rick and uh, his other his other guy, Roman. Roman takes care of me. Uh, Rick takes care of me, too. And it uh, it's definitely helped me get into the collecting and, and reading and whatnot. They... They, they understand that I'm coming into it new, and they kind of give me recommendations, but uh, they also help me out and <laughs> price-wise when it comes to comics as well. Excellent, because it's an expensive hobby. So that, that part of, of, of you jumping into comics late is completely fascinating to me. So up until you're now almost in your 40s, had you ever been into a comic book shop before, like an actual paper comic book shop? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, when I was in middle school, uh, of course, you know, you go through your phases and you try to learn what what you like. And um, I, there for a brief time in middle school, it was like comics, and it, it, it honestly wasn't even the comics, and it was the the, the Marvel co uh, comic collectors cards. Oh yeah, like the the baseball cards for the superheroes. 
that's what I got into that like got me into the world. And um, it was I, cool I collect back then. I mean, you and I are close in age. It was cooler to be in the cards than it was to collect the comics. Oh yeah, like I remember looking and like digging for the ones that you know the the gold foil ones and the holographic ones. And, oh yeah, you know, getting the hard cases to keep them in and and all that and that was what really fascinated me at first and and that kind of led into going to the comic book shops to look for the cards and then I started looking into the boxes and when I was younger, what drew what drew me into the boxes was Lobo. Lobo, all right. Uh, I think it was because I was young and Lobo was more mature. And it was like that that thing that, you know, I probably shouldn't be reading this. Mom and Dad might be mad if they knew I was reading this, but I'm still going to buy it anyway, you know? Nice. And uh, it was just the whole taboo of a comic that had adult themes to it. And it was different from X-Men and it had a, an adult sense of humor and, you know, almost nudity and gore and i was like oh this is crazy i didn't know they did comic books like this i thought it was all spider-man and archie you know mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> and uh but when you're that age you kind of have your phases and i sort of grew out of it I, I got a lot of got a lot of stuff and then ended up getting rid of it because i just kind of grew out of it at that time right there what 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 uh, how did you grow out of it? Was there something else that just took your attention? Did you get into sports? Did you find those things called the ladies? Did you uh, did you just uh, what what was it that that turned your attention? Because that never happened for me. <laughs> but uh, what what took <laughs> I, you away for a while? I, I've always I, you know like I said I, I never lost the respect for it. I still was a very big fan of 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 X Men and Spider Man and all that. I still really loved the the genre of that kind of thing. But I got more involved in music. Um, I, I started playing drums in middle school and uh, just really got into, I guess, the, the whole rock star thing. I was like, I, I want to play music. Uh, that seems like it would be my thing. And that kind of overtook me for a long time. I, I, was, I was playing in bands and stuff until I was, well, hell, even until recently. Uh, when I was all through my 20s, I played in a band and uh, played a lot of shows and uh, learned how to play quite a few instruments and then uh, moved away from where I was and just kind of got out of it for a while. It's There's been a lot of phases I've gone through, so and the band was a big part of it. And then when I moved back to my hometown some years later, uh, kind of got back with the group of guys again and started another band. And it's always been in my life, and that's just kind of been the main thing. But I've always, you know, it's always, it's always had that... It, the comic themes, not so much the collecting, but the, the characters and the stories have been in my life just from, you know, the cartoons when you're a kid. And you, you, you hold on to all that stuff. But the collecting aspect is what I lost and kind of got back. Um, so then when I, the band stuff got kind of tired and uh, the movies kind of worked their way in, in there as well, you know. Uh, uh, I, I've always had a love for movies from cheese, you know, 80s cheese and comedies and a big horror fan. And uh, so that's always been there. I've always bought movies, always watched a lot of movies. And um, I'll be completely honest with you. I think what got me back into comics reading was Walking Dead. Nice. Um, which might be a common thing for a lot of people nowadays. But uh, I, I, I've always been... <laughs> I'm one of those kind of people that if I know something's going to be turned into a movie or a TV show, I kind of want to get ahead of the game. And I'd heard Walking Dead was coming, so I started reading the trades, 
And I have a buddy who had all the trades, and he was like, I'll loan them to you. And I started reading them and got into it, and I was nice. like, you know, this is this is great. You know, Again, you know, I didn't know comics could be like that. So, and then uh, from there, it just kind of stuck with that for a while, read the trades, you know, borrowed them from friends, and then uh, I'm trying to think of what really got me into the point where I was like, you know, I need to start collecting. I need to start buying these artists. Uh, artists and writers things and I think it might have been uh, well something very recent again related to Walking Dead is Outcast. oh yeah uh, um, that was you know it's just, there's gonna be a TV show I was like hey I gotta get a, get a little ahead of the game and uh, started reading that digitally and I was like you know what I, I really like this book and I think I, I need to go ahead and jump on the bandwagon I fought it for so long I was like it's time to just dive in and I dove head first <laughs> Have you, uh, have you thought, I thought Outcast, I mean, it is, it's visually stunning and consistent in every issue. Uh, some of the writing seems to be taking a little long for me. Like the pace of it is, is, is I'm still in there. It's on the pull. But mm -hmm. I think as of late, the last six, five or maybe three or four issues seem to be slowing the pace down a little bit. And I'm, I'm really looking for it to, to take some leaps there. And, uh, and which is fine. Have you, have you felt that at all with Outcast? Do you, or you completely disagree on that point? I, I'm actually right there with you. Okay. Um, I, I'm still in every issue. Like, you know, it's on the poll now. I get it every time it comes out. I read it immediately. It's like I got to see where this is going because it has had such a small, like, uh, five or six issues where not a whole lot has happened. I'm anxious to see if it's going to happen the next issue. And um, I was actually talking with another, another comic-related friend on Instagram recently. Uh, his name's... Turner seventy seven. Oh, if yeah. anybody is interested, he follows um, us as well. I've seen him. Great. Yeah, and he and I talk a lot. And uh, he was—he's been reading the trades. He—he he gets the single issues, but he also picks up the trades. And he's—he made a comment. He said, "You know, these—I think the story works better as a trade because you're able to get a lot more of the story in one big bang." And uh, I agree with that. Um, I think it's just you know the the collector in me now. You know, I've got to have the single issues, and I like being able to be on the story when it comes out. Uh, waiting for trades at this point is just like <laughs> I can't do that anymore. I gotta, I gotta get the story. But I'm right there with you. I, I'm, I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that thing to happen. That's just gonna take the story into its next arc, and it's there, but it's just it hasn't. The bang hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I'm still waiting for it. Absolutely. You know, I never, I never really talk about this on the podcast, but uh, uh, one thing I, I kind of do is have a my in my pull list. I have sort of like a continue pulling sort of list with question mark and I do this weird thing whereas uh, if I if I have outcast on or any comic for that matter on the uh, like okay that issue was sort of okay I add a question mark and when I reach five question marks then I take it off the pole that's a good system and I may have to uh, ad adopt that <laughs> um, I've got stuff in my pole now that I, I, I mean I have I've got like the new Uncanny X Men, the all new X Men that I've had pulled. I've got from issue one to whatever the most recent is on all of it, and I haven't even started reading it yet. Yeah. Like I've read like the first issue, and I just can't. It's, I've got so much. This is kind of the what I meant by head first and, and <laughs> diving right in. Is I, I was just like, I gotta get X Men. I gotta get this. I gotta get that. And I, I just started are, putting it in the pool. And you're mainlining comics right now. <laughs> yeah. And, I'm really starting to learn that it's like maybe I need to just figure out what I'm really enjoying and stick to that and just kind of read the rest as as it falls in my lap. Yes, know? steal that. It, it, I've done it for years. Like uh, 
I, I'm probably, I mean, five is uh, five question marks is a bit much for some people. Like a few lifers I've spoke to, they they give it two. They're like two yeah. question marks. It's off the pole. Like it has to be that good. It's it's our money. I mean, every week we're you know month we're dishing this stuff out. It's really got to take it to that level. There's so much to choose from. There's just gobs of content. There's just so much. And you yep. have to find a way to filter it or you just end up kind of where you're starting to go, which is just a big pile you can't read. You have no time. You yep. got to uh, find a way to sort of be honest with some of these comics and uh, and make your selections and move on. It's tough, though. Yeah. I, I already had a, a handful where I, you know, there was a couple of image comics I, I picked up and got in. It's like, these look interesting. Uh, Bitch Planet was one of them. Uh, Injection was another. Yeah. Uh, I, I, read, I read five issues of Bitch Planet and I was like, <laughs> you know, I kind of like the premise here, but it's not really grabbing me. Yeah, uh, I gave it one more issue, and I was like, you know, I just I'm not going to hang with it. I got other stuff I got to read, and and it's not a, it's not any kind of a knock against the writers or the artist on Bitch Planet. I mean, it's it's greatly drawn, I, and the writing is great. It just wasn't a story that was grabbing me, so I I had to dip out of it. Yeah, and that's like comes with age because I know we can uh, I can be kind of pressured into to things and and just want to love everything, but. Once you, you know, like you and I are close in age, but you get a little older, you start to really be a little more honest with yourself and you know what, re you, what you really like and, and it's art, it's subjective, it's, uh, you know, mm -hmm. what, what really grabs you and what touches uh, into your innards and speaks to you and uh, you got to be, uh, you got to, you got to listen to that because it, it works directly with your pocketbook, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and that was a downside to jumping in the comics head first and, and, and the reason I've got a lot now is because... You know, there's there's your staple your staple comic book companies. There's your Marvel. There's your DC, and there's so much continuity there that can get mixed up and jump around oh, yeah. that it's hard to just you know. I kind of went and, and that was another thing that made me just go, hey, let's go ahead and get into the comic thing because Marvel did their whole revamp and now you know DC is about to do the rebirth. I was like, if there's a time to jump into comics, it's now. If, if Marvel's going to be starting from number from number ones again, that might be a good you know jumping in point for me to start reading and kind of you know start fresh. It definitely hasn't been that because I I am reading Amazing Spider Man and I don't know what's going on half the time because I don't have all the backstory. But I'm still enjoying the book, but it's like, okay, I need to kind of figure out where that was coming from. Uh, I don't really know what that means, but I'll figure it out. So that, that's, that's been a little bit of a setback when it comes to the, the main, the big two. The, the big, the big two. Uh, I think that's why I've gravitated really towards image stuff, because yeah. it's, it, it's, it's individual stories that you, can, that you can just jump right into and not really need all the continuity and, and all of that stuff. Um, it's yeah. not to say the continuity stuff is bad. I mean, it's it's been around for years. If you're going to get into it, you kind of have to go into it with that mindset that there's going to be a lot here I don't know about. I'm going to have to learn, you know, do my do my research. Um, Miles Morales is a perfect example of that. Yeah. I I got into Miles so hard, dude. Like, <laughs> I, I love Spider Man, and you know, I'd always heard people talk about Miles Morales. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I, I didn't really understand, you know, where he came from, the continuity of it all. But as soon as I started reading Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, dude, Miles, Miles is my Spider-Man. Nice. That's great. I, I, I love it. I love the way Bendis writes Miles. Yeah. It's good stuff. And, and you know what? I think that they really nailed him at the perfect time because, 
I think a lot of us older comic book readers were just really kind of beat up and just sort of exhausted with all the reissuing, the rebirthing, the revamping, the restarting, the going back to number ones again, and and there's just so much baggage to mm -hmm. to the to that when we we really just kind of want a simple continual story, you know, and yep. we just weren't getting it. And there's these great characters that uh, they're just they're just not doing right with how they adjust things, change things. I do go into the mindset now when I read a big two. Of just forget everything. I've like trained my brain. I just want to enjoy a good comic. These are characters I love. I got to unplug my continuity part of my circuitry. Yep. And that's sometimes hard to do because like Peter Parker's my heart. That's like my, yeah. was one of my first comics I collected when I was nine years old, and I still have it. I rolled it up into my back pocket. I I swatted flies with it. I I, I stuck <laughs> chewing gum into. I was a kid, and I I wish I hadn't because if I would have kept it in perfect condition, who knows where yeah. we'd be. But it has such emotional, con such, such, you know, such a tie to my youth. And yep. so uh, it's harder for me to unplug that circuitry with all the continuity because of just how many years. I stuck through Spider-Man in the 90s where a lot of people bailed with the whole clone saga and everything that happened mm -hmm. to Peter Parker in that phase. And then Brand New Day where just the devil took, took everything away and hit a reset button. <laughs> and uh, they, they wiped away Peter Parker's marriage, and he had to choose between Aunt May living and, and or, you know, Mary Jane knowing and living. And he chose to keep his Aunt May alive, who was 100 years old, and, and yeah. let, let go of his wife that was in her 20s and her prime and was a model. And I don't know. It was just crazy. I mean, I stuck through it. And so I still have a hard time sometimes unplugging that circuitry. But that's another reason why I've gravitated a lot to Image. And if you've seen my recap episode where I talk about dollars and... Uh, it's it's got more of my money than any other publisher. Yeah, Image has in the last five years. I, the only reason the big two have gotten a lot of my money recently is because of the the storylines that I'm into, and I'm, I'm a big Venom fan. Yeah. And I've really been going back and trying to get back issues of Venom, and I've gotten gotten quite the handful. Yeah, I've but, been um, digging like everything you've been showing on Instagram, just showing like you've just crossed years and you're bouncing all over the place and you find some of these storylines that are great and I can tell you love Venom and some oh, yeah. of those old Spider-Mans and the and the, it's just uh, it's very cool to see your Instagram and go oh it takes me back and yeah. I'm trying to reorganize some of my comics so that like I can just grab those because I still mm -hmm. have them and uh, I just dig it when you're pulling up some of those like those Carnage episodes on your Instagram yeah. and you're I was like yes I'm like those are such great stories and I remember them like they were yesterday and they were fun and and uh, now Carnage, uh, I don't know what they're, it's crazy what they're doing with them now. I mean, Venom's a space knight, but I'm digging it. I don't care. It's like I'm... See, I, that was another thing. Whenever I jumped into the new big, you know, the, the, the Marvel revamp is, you know, okay, Venom number one and Carnage number one. I'll jump into that. I love those characters. Let's 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 see where they go with this. And uh, I, 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 I'm kind of the opposite of you. I'm, I'm into Venom now. At first, I was just like, man, this is Star-Lord with a symbiote suit. Yeah. You know, it was just kind of like, uh, if I wanted to read Guardians, I'd read Guardians. But the past couple issues has, has grabbed me, and it's got me in it now. Carnage got me from the beginning. The new, the new run they're going with Carnage is just, it's crazy, it's, it's, it's brutal, it's horrific, it's, it's what I want to see in a Carnage comic. So I've, I've really been digging that one. That, that one's another one that when, when it hits the pole, I, I want to read it immediately. Maybe and I'll it's give just... it another. Maybe I'll take your recommendation. I'll give it another try because I dipped in for a minute, and I just remember, and I don't remember the storyline, but they were almost putting him into like a putting Carnage into a hero position. 
And oh I, no! I went. What is this? I'm like, like yeah. he's not this murdering, rampaging guy. I don't remember what what exact storyline that was or what year that was because it was a while back. But right. then I, I dipped out, and I, from there I, I just couldn't give it another chance. So maybe I will on your recommendation. What what's some of the carnage I need to grab that's that's current? Uh, um, just this first run. I mean, they're only um, the new where they've started over from one. Okay. Um, I, I've I've dug it since issue one. It 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 puts you in a position to where you, know, you just start with Cletus Cassidy, and this is happening, and it you know it involves um, uh, not not Flash, uh, Eddie Brock, oh, yeah. who's now Toxin, and um, he works for the government, and they've got him on like a you know. Uh, I guess got him under control to work for them, hmm. and uh, it's kind of that's a kind of an interesting aspect. And you've got Carnage wreaking havoc, and you've got uh, Eddie kind of having to stay back because they won't let him loose. And he's just like, "Come on, come on! You need to let me! You need to let me!" And there was a good build up there where it was like, "Okay, we need to get to to, to Eddie," you know, letting letting Toxin go, and it finally gets there, and it's awesome. So I thought that was a good thing, and. Didn't, uh, uh, didn't, uh, I love the anti-venom visually, that was great. Didn't Eddie Brock have cancer and then the anti-venom healed him? Yes. And then he has, what suit is Eddie Brock wearing? Uh, Venom and Carnage, and this is all hearsay that I've gotten from people who've read everything. I'm still collecting and still trying to catch up on the stories, but, um, you know, uh, Venom and Carnage birth anti-venom okay and then from anti-venom somehow toxin was created toxin okay. and toxin is the strongest of the all symbiotes and that's you know venom has been the, the venom symbiote has moved on to flash uh thompson and um now okay. eddie brock is the the host of the uh the toxin symbiote okay, toxin. Which, right. which is apparently the more powerful one but now he's been regulated by uh by the government and whatnot, and they've got him, or, or it might even be Shield or something like that. But uh, they explain it more in the new run. But uh, I don't know. I I, I kind of like just how sinister the new run is, and it's it starts to involve like this this I don't really want to say a cult, but almost like a religion that sees Carnage as a uh, a figure of their religion, mm. and it really goes off. Not, I don't want to say off the rails, but it like kind of jumps off the deep end into something that's like whoa, and uh, but that's that's one arc, and they've actually just started a new arc with the uh, last with the last issue that the most recent issue. So they're they, like on they, seven, are they on seven or eight? I think the last one that came out was six. I think we're waiting for seven. I think seven will actually be out next week. And I saw you grabbed some Maximum Carnage. So visually, how would you do? You, are you enjoying the new Carnage run compared to say? Maximum Carnage, which that's where that's where my heart is. I love that story. <laughs> I, I still love the old school Venom and Carnage stuff. That was another uh, thing, a problem I had with the new Venom run is I, I love old school Venom. You know, crazy teeth and tongues sticking out. Yeah, you know, just, muscles on muscles. Yeah, just I, I I love the way that Venom was drawn and written and everything, and uh, it's just it's taken me, like I said, it's taken me a a little bit to get used to the whole. Flash Thompson, I'm a I'm a wisecracking, uh, fun-loving guy who's got a symbiote suit. And it's but I, I like I said, it, it's starting to to grab me. I, I'm I, it's still in the pool. I'm still reading it. I'll see where it goes. 
If we but, could just uh, un unplug that circuitry a little easier, right? It would just be a... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're actually starting to go a direction in the new one, too, where it's you're starting to see... Well, I mean, this is kind of a spoiler for who hasn't read it yet, but they're kind of separating Flash from the symbiote. Yeah. And like uh, that's kind of cool. I like it. And it's kind of a little bit more old school symbiote sort of stuff. So that's that's also got my attention and it got me wanting to see where it goes. Yeah, that like separately he's, you know, he now has his appendages to walk without the Venom suit. And then he, they're Space Knight, he's Space Knight-ish together, but separate. He is a little bit that older tongue-swashing Venom yep. we're used to. So yeah, I'm digging that. I'm glad mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. Well, I'll, maybe I'll take your recommendation Give Carnage a try and go back to number one. Give it another Carnage, one. Carnage just, uh, you know, it feels more like old school, you know, just sinister, you know, uh, you know, Cletus Cassidy's a psycho and he's going to do psychopathic stuff. And, and that's that's really what drew me into that whole storyline from the get-go. And I, I really like where they're going with it. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm with you in regards to image. It just seemed to just, they can't do any wrong. It just seems like... Uh, Continually are doing like fresh stories, unique kind of perspectives. The arts, all of the, the art, the artists they've they've been hiring have been top notch, just fantastic mm -hmm. and gorgeous. And uh, yeah, I can't. Anytime there's an image number one, I'm buying it. Period. Just to take I, a look. I'm still a little reserved for on 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 getting you know, going willy nilly on them. I if if it <laughs> looks interesting, I'll go on it. Um, if it's if it's writers that I enjoy, I'll go for it. Another thing that really drew me in, and it's an image book, is the Southern Bastards run. Yeah, that's been um, amazing. Are you, I, from, are you from the South? Are you from there, from Florida? Uh, where they're writing about is not too far from where my wife was originally born. Dang. And uh, it's it's funny, like the you you probably recall the first issue. There's the first page is just a picture of a highway. With yes. a dog on the side of it, taking, taking a, a dump. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, they've captured Alabama's roadside, like, <laughs> perfectly. I don't know. It was it was really funny to see it, and I was like, you know, okay, this is interesting. I'm going to read this. <laughs> and uh, it has gone places that I could not even imagine, and that's what keeps me in it. It's just like I was expecting it to go one way, and, you know, you know what I'm talking about when I say you hit a point in the story where oh. it's like, well, I wasn't expecting that, so where are we going from here? <laughs> he seemed, Jason Aaron seems to just love to have those jaw-dropping, holy crap moments. Yes. And he knows and, how to build them properly and time mm -hmm. them right and surprise you. It just continually surprises me. Yeah, and, and, and just because of Southern Bastards, Jason Aaron has become like my go-to. Like If Jason Aaron's writing it, I'm interested in it. Oh, he's like a rock star right now in comics, right? Like Everything he's doing is just it's fantastic. And, you know, I, I knew him from Southern Bastards, so I was like, well, you know, I, I just stuck with reading that. And then I, when I started getting into the big two stuff, you know, a lot of what I read is Marvel. The only DC stuff I really get into is Batman, and we'll get into that. But um, I, I didn't really know what all Jason Aaron was writing. And as I started finding out, I was like, this guy's writing, like, all the stuff that I'm digging. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, he's doing the, 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 the Mighty Thor run. And I jumped on I jumped on Mighty Thor by your recommendation because mm -hmm. you were you know giving it praise for the artwork and the story yeah. and then I was like oh well Jason Aaron's writing it I'm definitely gonna read it yeah I mean they got just a top notch team there you can't deny that one yeah and I even got my wife reading Mighty Thor I mean she's she's new to comics as well and she's loving the Lady Thor run and uh, that's cool 
I couldn't get my wife to read that one. She loves The Walking Dead. She likes grittier, mm-hmm. more realistic comics, and if it starts to get yeah. a little fantastical, magical, she's a little, eh. But, yeah. uh, my, my wife is a big Walking Dead fan. She's caught up with the comics as well, and that's... We always, whenever we get the new issue, it's like, I'll read it, she'll read it, and then we'll talk about it. Nice. So. I'm trying to get her to read Why the Last Man, and she's just, uh, she finished trade one, and now she's kind of asking for two. So she might I, uh, I have the first trade, and I haven't read it yet. I've heard so many good things about it, and uh, that's Brian K. Vaughn, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and, and he's another one. Like, uh, I started reading Paper Girls, another image comic. And I was like, yeah, uh, that was such an homage to the 80s. You know what you should check out? And I just found this a little late, was uh, The Walking Dead. Brian, Brian K. Vaughn did a, I don't know if it's going to be a one-shot, a digital-only release. It's called The Walking Dead, The Alien. Mm-hmm. I heard it? about that. And it's uh, you can go to uh, the site where he did the Private Eye comic. The site's already, the name of it is escaping me. But uh, you can name your own price for it and just right. check it out. You can you know pay nothing or a couple cents, whatever you want. I'm I'm hoping they'll release it as you know release it in paper. Me too. I, just, <laughs> I would like to have it in my collection. Right. But, uh, you know what I yeah, mean? I was I was stoked to find out that Brian K. Vaughn was writing that too. And he did uh, this Private Eye series, which you should definitely check out. And they just boasted you should. I think I think it's gone, but they had a an introductory letter saying this is the new way the comics are going to be done. We're only doing the Private Eye digitally. This is Brian K. Vaughn. Mm-hmm. And they've released it on hardback. It's uh, it's out there on paper. <laughs> they, they succumbed to the pressure of uh, people want it on paper. Some of us like to have some things in our hands. So I think yep. it's going to eventually. I mean, come on. They could sell a gazillion copies of that. Yeah. And I mean, and getting back to Jason Aaron, like, uh, I, I you know, I was reading, you know, uh, I got on the, the, the new run of Doctor Strange. Never read Doctor Strange before. Knew nothing about him. And, uh, no baggage. Did, That's a good way to go, too. Yeah, and and man, I tell you, I love the new run of Doctor Strange. The art an, is insane. Yes, I mean the first Thank issue God. in itself, the art in it, just the first four or five pages, I was like, wow, like this is taking me back to acid flashbacks, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but you know, nice. and That's then I, I found out Aaron was writing that. I was like, man, this dude's writing everything that I'm loving right now. It's crazy, and you know, he's writing Star Wars. And, uh, the yeah, goddamn, how, how great Star Wars! Yeah, the goddamn man. That's just that is so fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, and he just nothing is really going wrong for that guy right now. It's all working. Yeah. And in just you know, letting everybody know on you know showing everybody the stuff that I'm reading on Instagram, I get everybody telling me you know all the you know, the past stuff Jason Aaron's done, and like somebody's told me I should read the Scout series. Yes, he's just I, I'm I'm. It's like you mentioned the Matrix earlier. I was like. I just wish it was like the Matrix, where I could just download it all into my head, so I would know it, <laughs> not, not have to find the time to read all this stuff. We're three years away from that effort. Just an inside, uh, inside scoop. <laughs> We're three years away. We're, they're, they're working on the brain plugs right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, Jason Aaron's one of my faves, and Scott Snyder. I mean, I, I'm loving Scott Snyder stuff as well. You know, I, I never. This was before the podcast, but just before I started doing the podcast, I wrote Scott Snyder. A, a review that was, a, a, let's say, a, like kind of a middle-of-the-road review. I, I wasn't really giving him high praise. I, I'll have to pull it up. But he responded back and gave me a really nice response. And and uh, some of that, that, his answer was, you know, art is subjective. And he was getting some pressure to move the, the storyline in this direction. You know, with DC, there's a lot of hands-in-the-cookie-jar kind of answer. And it was just yeah. before I did the podcast, before I started Sunspots Comics. I should dig that up. You just... Uh, 
he just poked into my brain and reminded me of that. I should uh, pull it out. But uh, it was nice. He directly messaged me too as well. It wasn't uh, it wasn't out nice. there in public, and I didn't decide to, I decided not to do anything with it. But we had a nice little a little bit of back and forth, and uh, I, I, after it, I respect him even more. And, and and that's what that's another thing that's cool about jumping into the comics like I have and and and, and getting into the you know, the social media thing and that's that's also helped writers and artists out a lot is uh, being able to interact with them once you start reading their stuff. Um, I I've actually interacted with the uh, their names are escaping me right now, but the guys who write and and draw the the humans another image comic. Yeah, that's, uh, that's been great. I I was uh, like pushing that um, like. That was a, that's a crazy story of uh, the uh, biker apes, right? The the uh, yeah, humans. Yeah. Did you ever it's listen like, to it with that soundtrack? I know you, you kind of. Oh, that's right. I remember you did. Uh, you were like, eh, it was okay. No, I, I I definitely made the effort to do it, but just the music was was drawing me away from the reading. Um, it just it, it it wasn't melding together too well for me. But I, it's not to say I didn't dig the music. The music was cool, but just trying to read and, and having it going at the same time was a little distracting to me. It's words that throw me off in music, right? Anytime uh, there's words, yep. if, if it's just instrumental, I, I'm good. But but uh, for some reason, that clicked for me at that moment, especially the one song I want to say it was called Johnny, Johnny something, because there was the character Johnny in The Humans. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there was that song name. It was the song specifically for Johnny. Yep. And uh, that one seemed to, Humans for Life, that was the song. Uh, humans right, for life, right. and uh, that one seemed to click for me, and it didn't distract me. But yeah, most of the time, I'm with you. Words throw me off, and I'm trying to read yeah. words on a page. But the humans was <laughs> humans is the one that was like, I think it kind of solidified me into the whole digging and, and wanting to collect and get the single issue stuff. Because man, I tell you what, I don't know if it's just the area I'm in or what, but that comic was difficult to find down here. Yeah. Um, very low uh, production number, yeah. And and I I ended up finding I ended up you know jumping on eBay and finding the first issue for a good price on there. And I was like, well, I mean, I can't find it anywhere here. I I, I had the digital issues, but I was like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the damn paper comics on this one, and I'm gonna read it. And I I, I sincerely waited until I got the entire run before I read it. I'm I'm glad I did. I felt a little accomplished, but it took me a while to get the whole ten ten issue run. Uh, even 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 with going to a con, I was only able to find like three issues at the con I went to. Wow. Um, but I eventually ended up finding them here and there and got it read. And boy, it's it was something else. Did you read the article in the back that they took readers' questions as the character, the uh, the one ape, which name escapes me? Did you read the letters in the back? Vaguely. Uh, see, that's <laughs> you should go back and check those out because. His answers, some of them are hilarious. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. The, I, the writer's tr- not trying to tell the readers to rape and pillage and kill and destroy, but right. but he sort of is with a yeah. you know a, yeah. an undertone, and it's uh it's it's well uh, there's very rare times I, I'll 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 actually commit and read every line in the back and and letters and comments etc. Robert mm-hmm. Kirkman's are one you want to definitely check out when he's in there responding to folks. And I then, definitely, I, I found myself reading his more and more. Um, I just have something in my brain that, especially if I've got a lot to catch up on, I'll just read the story and then go to yeah. the next, you know. It's too much. It's so but, much content. It's hard to. It's so much yeah. content. And, uh, but I, I will stop and read usually the first two or three letters in the back of The Walking Dead issues, just because I do like Kirkman's response. He's he's kind of a cynical asshole sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But, I usually go right to his responses because, again, I have to cut, too. There's just so much stuff. 
yeah. I'll just kind of go to his responses, fill in the blanks from there, and just just mm-hmm. I'm hearing him in a, in you know my head, and it's fantastic. Yeah, he he. I'm I'm hoping I can run into him one day. My my wife has got a beef with Robert Kirkman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For what exactly? We, um, I want to know what is what is uh, what's the beef? What? Well, we um you know she was reading the comics and it was getting you know, the show was on. She was catching up. She had not quite uh, caught up with where the comics were, and I was a little bit past her. And I had gotten to the point where a specific character meets Lucille for the first time. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And. Just so happened to be a character that she loved. Ah, that's and, it. And um, she had not gotten that far. And I was like, oh, you're going to hate it when it gets to this point. Uh, and, you know, I didn't spoil anything for her. Well, my wife and I were watching this it's a game show-esque sort of thing on Comedy Central. Chris Hardwick actually hosted it. It's called At Midnight. Yeah. And um, it's it's a comedy thing. You know, and he has you know guests on, and they do you know uh, little little game segments for points, and it's all just for fun, really, and... Uh, one of the segments was fake spoilers. <laughs> and they were like, you know, give us a fake spoiler for a TV show that people might respond to. And Robert Kirkman happened to be the guest this night. And he uh, he just all of a sudden buzzes in with his and he goes, uh, Glenn's going to die by a guy named Negan and he's going to bash his brains in with a bat named Lucille. And, I was, and you can edit that if you want to. But um, <laughs> my wife... I, I was so shocked that he said it because I knew it happened. And my wife just kind of turned her head really slowly and looked at me with these wide eyes. And I was like, holy crap. And she's like, he's kidding, right? And I, I like, I was so shocked that I couldn't even be like, oh, no, don't worry about it. I was like, I cannot believe he just said that. Oh, man. But it was like, that's that's just kind of how Robert Kirkman is, though. Yeah, that's, like, that's who he, he is. He doesn't care, and so she she has a, a beef with him now because she's like, it'd be different if I read it, but he he said it and in, in, in sort of you know spoiler esque, you know got it for me, and she's like, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to forgive him for that. Wow, That's and crazy. and she's she's still like even and, she, and from that point on she's like, okay, I'm reading these damn things, and like she was she was to the point now, at that point where she was like, I'm not even gonna read anymore. He he's kind of made me upset. Wow, I was like, he's really pissed at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, my my wife does not like to have things spoiled for her, and that just really rubbed her the wrong way. And um, yeah, she was she had a she had a, a beef with that, but she she did keep reading. She's still reading today. She still watches the show and everything. But wow. anytime she sees Kirkman or hears Kirkman or anything Kirkman says, she's like, Kirkman's an ass. <laughs> she's still she's still healing. She's healing very slowly from that. Yeah, and that that's, wounded her wounded her deeply. Yeah, and and that's you know where we're at in the show now, and we all know where they've ended this last season. Yeah. So now it's like, okay, so where are they going with this? I thought but, uh, I've I've heard a reaction and and talked to folks uh, about Walking Dead and uh, and that I, I I hear a lot of people just not liking that they kept you know this is all of course before I'll I'll say spoiler alert for everything, but that they uh, you know they, in this world they let Negan live. You know people were. I mean, it's a controversial moment. I think that's it's great mm-hmm. to have. Uh, you have two sides of it, but I think overall, most people are on the side of you know he shouldn't have lived. Period. I, I I would have to be on the opposite side of that. Yeah. Where the where the story is gone, I think it is very very interesting, and it's moving the story in a very good direction. Uh, just the fact that, 
and, and, and the way they tie the, the show into the story with the books and everything too, like I can kind of see where they're where they're basing, you know, taking this basis from the books and applying it to the show and seeing how they can improve on on what Kirkman's already done. And um, I I, I kind of like that. I like that the show differs from the books, but there's sometimes where it really bothers me. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. And sometimes where I really I really like it. Where they, yeah. uh, where they give homage and it's like, oh, that's panel for panel. Like, yep. I'll, I'll pull out issue 97 and go, oh my God, that's, mm-hmm. they're standing in the same position. Like, so yeah. you're right. I, I like it, love it, hate it. It's a mixture of emotions there. I'm with you. Yeah. I, when they bring panels to life, that, that is, is where they're, they're really hitting their stride. It's just when they start playing with the story and the characters, it's, it's kind of hit or miss sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I, I've overall, I mean, I've, I've liked where the show's gone. I still watch the show. I'm a diehard fan. Uh, you know, Walking Dead's always on around the football season and it's, the finales are usually right there after the Super Bowl. So Hmm. it's usually, it usually falls the weekend after the Super Bowl is the, is the Walking Dead finale. So I'll, I'll joke around. I'm like, this is my Super Bowl weekend, guys. You know, don't bother me. I'll be glued to my TV for this hour. (laughs) So. I don't partake in the foot of ball. I'm only uh, I, I only watch one sport and it's hockey. That's yeah. it. I, I am not into any of the sports ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I can I can watch sports and enjoy the the sportsmanship of it and everything. But I just I don't live and breathe sports like a lot of people I know. I mean I, I can understand people's joy for it. I mean I you know people probably don't understand why I love movies and comics so much. It's just it's it's all subjective. You know. It's, oh yeah. It's it's you like what you like, yeah. yeah I, luckily, it's the only sport I follow, and it was a it's kind of a family thing. When my mom uh, married my stepdad, he was from Chicago, and he was just big into hockey, and it was just one of those family things. And so it always, even now, when I'm I'm a season ticket holder for the L.A. Kings, it's mm-hmm. a family outing. It's a get, you know get right. people together, get my mom together, get my dad, get my son, get my stepsons. You know, it's just a it's continued that sort of family legacy for me. It's more yeah. of that. I mean. And then, uh, and the, the Kings have been a horrible team for so many years. I mean, we finally have won a couple cups, but so uh, yeah, it was just more of a, a family gathering, and that happened to be our sport. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think if there were any sport I'd be willing to delve into, it'd be hockey. I mean, who doesn't you know like people skating around, beating each other, beating each other up with <laughs> hockey sticks? Right. <laughs> there was a, even a, a comic that I hold dear to my heart that uh, Jeff Lemire wrote. And uh, it was on, it was on hockey, and it was like about about brothers. And oh my God, the name of it is escaping me. But it's the only comic he wrote about hockey, and uh, and it's cool because I I played hockey with my brother, and so it, it it tapped on a lot of things for me. And it was about family, and it was about how you know hockey is a ritual, a family ritual, and uh, yeah, Jeff Lemire. And the damn it, the name of it has escaped me. But because uh, <laughs> I've read it in a few years, it was it was like it's like ten, twelve years old. But uh, yeah. Very well, cool. now you, you you put a good story to sports, and I'm all game. Yeah, you know? uh, my my wife's the same way. My wife grew up in a household. Her her dad was actually a professional football player for a short time. Oh wow! And uh, he played for a lot of different teams. He was a kicker, uh, so he technically really didn't play football. But <laughs> um, but uh, it, you know, counts. football was the there was all the sports in her house, and she just. It was never really her thing, so of course it just holds this stigma in her mind. But if you put a football movie on, like you put Friday Night Lights on, she's all for it. You know, you you put a good story in with some football, and my wife's game. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of the same way. If you put a good story behind it, I'll watch it. But if it's just people, you know, rough contact sports, I could I could go either way. Yeah. 
No, I'm with you there. I love sports movies, especially like I, I don't like baseball at all, but I dig baseball movies. Like if it's a well written story and it's about sports, I'm totally there with you. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Has to be engaging. Just has to be a good story. I mean, hell, look at Southern Bastards. How it ties into that Friday night feel, Friday night light feel. And I yeah. never, I yeah. never watched that show, but I dig that, and I like that it's, you mm-hmm. know, it's the coach boss and. And they had that Friday ritual, and uh, I dig it. I just dig it. And all. that's that's what surprised me so much about the book, and and why I, I, was, I was shocked that I liked it as much as I did, because it's it's almost like The Sopranos with a football team instead of <laughs> gangsters, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I, I I just loved that aspect of it, and I was surprised that I liked it so much. But I was like, this is different. This is not really what you would you would think it would be. And I, you know, it's it's just a testament to where where uh, Jason Aaron and and uh, is it Jason Latour? Latour, yeah. yeah the Jasons. Where, they, where, where they went with that. And you know, it's just they're, they're taking their time with that character development and really making interesting characters, right? To where they really tie into that world. That's the yep. key element of that. It's just really taking their time, giving backstories for each character. So when things really start, which I think he's going to wrap, I think he's writing to an end on that comic, if I remember reading somewhere. Right. He's writing to an end of it. And uh, that... Can you imagine the depth there when they start tying in these characters and the daughter that's coming back into town? Uh, for well, they, they've introduced the crazy backwoods guy who lives in the woods, and we haven't yeah. really seen him again. And, right. and yet, we've we've had the brief glimpses into the daughter, and you're like, when's she coming into the picture? Because that's really when it's going to hit the fan, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know... I keep waiting for the new issues for that one, but then, I, you know, like I said, with discovering all the stuff that that Jason Aaron's writing right now and the stuff Latour's doing, it's like I could see why we're not getting Southern Bastards because Jason Aaron's busy as hell. Oh, yeah. He must work, you know, 18 hours a day. That's yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm writing one comic book, but, of course, I work full-time somewhere else, and uh, it's, it's amazing how much, to, you know, how much time it takes and, you know, yeah. re- rewriting, re-sculpting, re-everything. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's so much fun, though. I can't wait to... I can't wait for you to read Zombie Destroyers, I tell you. Yeah. So how'd you get into that? You know, that's been a passion of mine forever. I've always thought when I was a little kid, I, I drew when I was a little kid, these little stick figures and these little, these little like, um, I used to take these, my mom worked in a, in a restaurant and she'd, she'd bring like the waiters, the pads, and I would write little mini comic books in those with little oh. stories. When I was a little kid, it was just my dream to, to like one day produce my own. And I just thought, this is the time now. I'm, I'm, I love it. I'm going to chase what I love and... Hopefully I'll make some money from it somewhere down the road, but I'm just going to do it as a passion project and I'm going to just go all the way. It's going to be all me. And, uh, I just, I just finally, you know, just came, just gave in to my, my whole spirit, my whole being that's wanted to do it for years. And so I, I'm like, I found a friend we, that, that, um, the artist that's doing it, Jordan Hudson. Hey Jordan. I was at a, a Batman day at a library and I met the artist, uh, Dustin Wynn, who mm-hmm. has done Lil Gotham and he's done, uh, the the other series uh, that already escapes me that's turning into a movie Descender. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. He went and Justin uh, or Jordan w- uh, went there to pitch to him, and Dustin uh, had some had some uh, constructive criticism. Yeah. And and I, I but I was looking at his work, just going, this guy's amazing. His splash pages are gorgeous. Like I've got to talk to this guy. I've been writing zombie stories for a while, looking for an artist. It just came together at a perfect time. Right. And yeah, I, I grabbed him up immediately and said, look, I've got a contract. I've got this idea. I've got 150 pages written. Let's do this. I'm ready to go. And, uh, and now we're, you know, we're working out the, the, the bumps, the, you know, along the road and not, not that any of the bumps are bad. It's all fun. It's all about chasing the dream. And, uh, it's yeah. just been so rewarding with doing, I mean, really not producing any of it yet, but we're like seven pages in 
and it's just been absolutely rewarding and it just uh i just want to cry right now it's, it's <laughs> and i can't that's, wait for the world to read it i just can't wait that's cool man i, I can't wait to i can't re- wait to read it man it sounds interesting yeah and there's so much of me in there i just and me and my family and so many you know from my wife to my mother to my son that have just taken my whole personality my whole heart my whole being and just kind of wrote it into this and and there's mm-hmm. little easter eggs and things like just uh page page three there's a, a warehouse he opens the door there's these sewing machines all over the place and uh jordan knows that my favorite team is is the is the la kings and they're in a in a shop that makes hockey jerseys it's called royalty jerseys so i wrote it as royalty <laughs> jerseys and homage to the kings and he drew my favorite character's jersey on on a, on a table and I never really told him who my favorite character was. I, I, he knows I'm into the Kings. He drew right. the guy's number and his name on the jersey and laid it on that table without me telling him. Like that artist-writer synergy is mm-hmm. totally coming together. It's it's just amazing. When I saw that, I showed everyone in my family and was like, look, he wrote Kopitar, his jersey, it's on this <laughs> table. And I just thought, wow, he's getting into my brain. He's like, he's picking out little things mm-hmm. and adding little nuances and things that are, are just more than what I thought in my head. Right. And he's, he's making them even, I mean, taking my thoughts and my original concepts and making them even better on the page. So yeah, it's a, it's a dream come true. It's just, yeah. it's, it's nice when you find that, that person you can work with that you have that camaraderie with, you know, yeah. <clears throat> they, they kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, they kind of get what you're going for and they, they, they know how to put it, put it the way you want it. And, and it's just, might not necessarily be exactly what you envisioned, but you're like, oh man, that's even better than I could have thought of. That's you what's know? happening. And to be the, to, for the first time, for this is the first time that he's doing a comic, this is the first time I'm doing a comic, for it to come together like that, freaking yeah. magic. I mean, right off the gate. I mean, things like, I don't want to put a bunch of sound effects on art. That's one thing that's, uh, I don't know, it's okay. But yeah. uh, if the artist is really good, sometimes I just don't want to, I would never want to clutter or block his art with sound effects or humongous, you know, word bubbles and such. Mm-hmm. And I'm just very much into that, and so is he. He just like so respects that and loves that that I'm not trying to just cloud his pain. I mean, that could be one thing that's a deal breaker between artists right. and writers, and it just seems to continually keep working with, with little things we you know we question and we find we're doing, and oh, we got to change this, change that. It uh, it just keeps rolling really well, and it keeps working. That's cool, man. I, I've always been intrigued by how you even like get started in that kind of uh, you know artistry and business and stuff I've, I've actually got a friend a couple of friends here in town that uh, uh my friend andrew who i i worked with for a brief period of time and uh, he's been in bands around around town that i played with and uh he actually does coloring for some comics uh he's not necessarily the, the art team he just does the coloring for them and awesome. he's like uh he's like I, I just love doing it man he's like, i do it for for just on the side sort of stuff and uh but I was like, how do, I don't even know how you even get involved in, in doing coloring or, or you know, inking or whatever for, for a comic. Like, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I'm diving yeah. in. I'm, I'm diving into that very thing, actually, because I've never done it before. But Jordan's doing the pencils and the uh, the inks. And I'm doing the coloring and the lettering and the writing. And look, yep. here's, a, here's a sneak peek. I haven't shown anyone this. But here's my, here's round one of my coloring. Check it out. Of page one, semicolor. Nice. <laughs> and this is actually hand paint, hand hand ink, but I'll be really doing it digitally because it's just uh, makes no sense to do it uh, with actual you know inks. 
mm-hmm. with uh, you know with how it just turns up on the page and then copying it and such. It's just so much faster, and you have so many more millions of colors to go to digitally. So I've yeah. got the program, I've got a drawing pad, and I'm just teaching myself. But it's fun. It's a blast. I just wish I had more time to do it. But yeah. uh, I'm, yeah. I'm learning so much with it, and I just can't wait to dive fully into that. But we're only on page seven, so we got like a ton of time. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been very intrigued just, you know, following artists on Instagram and, and Twitter and stuff. Like I, I started following Scotty Young, and he puts a oh. lot of art, art up on Instagram. And just seeing him do, uh, you know, just sketches on paper and then show yeah. he, he'll put pictures of him doing digital stuff up. And like he's, he's another one that I've really – grown an affinity for like his his art is amazing yeah. his 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 book i hate fairyland is Ugh. is amazing uh my wife got into that one just finished that arc and we're both loving that it's just it's so, so innocent it's so innocent but it's so vulgar at the same time <laughs> you know it's just one of those things where it could it could totally be a disney world comic but it's a disney world comic in hell you know <laughs> it's just it's like it's, the, it, uh, it's he, awesome. He's he does so many of that that young the young the characters all our characters we love and and, mm-hmm. and as kids right and that just seems like a natural progression to him to do something like that in Fairyland but at the same time you you can just really tell he really hates it you know he like mm-hmm. <laughs> that sickly sweetness just uh, drives him a little crazy and this gives him the opportunity to like blow stars out of the sky and shoot suns in the face and yeah <laughs> it's just. It's just a, a gory, gorgeous mess. <laughs> well, that's that's the kind of uh, the what you fall in love with with that comic is you know that there's there's vulgarity in it, but he he disguises it so well with you know instead of saying you know f word he'll you know I'll, I'll fluff this <laughs> yeah you know, fluff this or you know mother fluffer you know <laughs> he he, he disguises everything and it's just so you know it, it gives you a chuckle every time you you totally. read it. I and, smile and chuckle every like through the entire thing it's it's a good time man i i there are there are several moments throughout that 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 first arc where i mean the the way the 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 arc ended i literally was laughing out loud yeah me too i don't want to spoil it for anyone but that was so good you have to read that yeah (laughs) and just and the premise of it is so great i mean it's i'm sure there's been something done similar to that before but it's just the way he comes across with it and the way he he paints gertrude as a character is uh yeah. it's hilarious and she's just great to watch and watch her her her, her banter and antics with the little the little fly guy and all that stuff and it's it's a great comic i definitely recommend i hate fairyland if if you haven't read it check it out it is it is something worth reading it's going to be something else i think it tap- I'm, I'm, I think I'm glad it, he's continuing it honestly yeah oh me too i think it taps into a weird thing that i i, I dig disney and all, all the classic animated movies from Disney, and but that was one I never really got. It would just seemed like a weird psychedelic trip, right? Mm-hmm. You know the, that and and uh, or Alice in Wonderland, and um, so this just taps into that for me, like you know, as as <laughs> a way that they're trying to destroy that world, and and for for me, I don't know, that was like a an animated movie and uh, paraphernalia and everything. I just thought was kind of I don't know, like a not that these people are bad, but like stonerish or psychedelic drug. Uh, aspect of it and yeah yeah this just just wants to destroy that and i don't know that taps into that for me so it's even another reason why i just totally dig it <laughs> well that, yeah i mean that's what's cool about it is it's, there's so many layers to it too i mean it's yeah. it, it seems it seems very simple on the on the on the surface but when you start digging into it it's like you know it deals with loss of innocence and yeah. and becoming an adult and throwing away childish things and all like it's a deep comic without even really trying to be yeah 
you know absolutely it's it, it's it's done very very well and and that's that's got me very much jonesing to, I, i'm actually going to megacon in orlando at the end of the month next month and i keep waiting for the announcement that scotty young will be there because i so desperately want him to sign some of my books yeah, but yeah. i i don't know if he'll show up or not but that's the line you need to get into my friend yeah well what's crazy with the the the, the mega con down here this year is frank miller's doing an appearance wow that's very rare he yeah like, he doesn't like to go to and <laughs> i you know i've read frank miller's stuff i i i see i see why everybody has this big love for frank miller He's just not the guy that I'm like, you know, fangirling about like everybody else does. Um, but I, I definitely see his influence and in, in why he's such a big part of comics nowadays. Um, but when I heard that he was going to be there, it was just kind of, oh, cool, Frank Miller's going to be there. And everybody's kind of looking at me like, what's wrong with you, dude? Frank Miller's going to be <laughs> at Megacon. I was like, well, I mean, I've got a couple of his books. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, that was that was the artist or the the writer for me. That was everybody was like, what are you talking about, Frank Miller? I was like, uh, I don't know. He's he's good. <laughs> uh, so I kind of feel like a, it's like one of those where you shoot yourself in the foot. But you know, I, I definitely you know, I respect Frank Miller. He's done a lot of the stuff that I really like. I mean, I love Watchmen. You know, that, that Daredevil run he did was awesome. Uh, Sin City for me. Like yeah, like, Sin City too. I mean, and he's worked with you know he's worked with one of my a couple of my favorite filmmakers. I mean, he's worked with Tarantino on Sin City and stuff. Yeah, uh, I just anybody that's worked with Tarantino, I'm like in awe of. So, so movies really fast. This is jumping right into my head. You, uh, this renaissance of comic book movies. I mean, has that also helped you get back into comics again? I mean, it's just been this amazing, from television to movies, it's just insane, the amount of money, the numbers, the people that are going to see these movies. I mean, it's crazy that the, the nine-year-old kid in me remembers, you know, watching the, you know, the, the first Punisher movie with Dolph Lundgren, you know, like, <laughs> and how horrible that was, you know, I mean, it was, can't be, silly. I'll be, com I mean, I'll be completely honest with you, man, like the, I just recently watched the Dolph Lundgren one again, I actually went through and watched all the, the feature-length films, uh, Lundgren, one with Thomas nice. Jane and the one, uh, the newer one, the War Zone, and like, comparatively speaking, the Dolph Lundgren one holds up way more than the Thomas Jane one does. Mm. In my yeah. opinion, <laughs> uh, I, I honestly think War Zone is the better out of the three, but that's just because I think Punisher is supposed to be violent and brutal, like like it is. But, um, but yeah, it, it's the comic book movies. I mean, of course, I was I'm that guy going to see them on the opening weekend because. Still, I mean, even though I wasn't collecting comics for a long time, I still had that love for the characters and whatnot. I was there when, you know, uh, Spider-Man was coming out. And, uh, I was so, so pumped when Spider-Man 3 was coming out. I was like, Venom's going to be on screen, man. I can't wait. Like, I was in line, so pumped for it, and I got so let down by I it. I know. Really. We just wanted so much more and something completely different, right? It just didn't... I've I, I think it's kind of that, like you touched on with with the Scott Snyder, uh, with too many hands in the honey pot. Like I think, yeah, I think uh, uh, Sam Raimi just had too many people telling him what to do, and that made that movie suffer really bad. Like I, I think it could have been done so much better. And Venom is not a character you want to see for fifteen minutes in a Spider-Man movie. No, I remember a, a while back hearing the uh, the minute breakdown, you know, of of when he's on screen as Venom. Yeah, and it was something appalling like that. It was like. 
I think a total of 13 minutes or something. It yeah. was actually on screen as Venom. Like, what? And just we wanted a bigger Venom. You know, it was just kind of a smaller, you know. There were so oh, many oh. things. A lot of people want to take offense with the uh, with the Topher Grace playing playing Eddie Brock and all that. Like, I didn't have a problem with that at all. I think he could really could have developed that into something good. I mean, he doesn't have to be a giant brooding guy to pull off Venom. I thought I thought that aspect of it was okay. It's just they didn't give us enough at all. Like, they didn't they didn't properly build the story. They didn't write it well or something. It's just it wasn't it wasn't done properly. Like yeah. you can't put him in a movie with Sandman and give Sandman the whole movie. That just isn't gonna isn't gonna work for anybody if, if 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 you ask me. Yeah, we just needed more, and it should have been really a focal point, and they shouldn't have gone with like three bad guys at once. They should have just... right. That's why Spider Man Two was so great because I mean it focused on Doc Ock and gave us plenty of it, and it was great Man, origin those, for Doc Ock, and that that, that is a great superhero movie. Yeah, the fight scenes in that. I mean, on the subway, just so visually fantastic. Like, and the story was great. I mean, just that's you know the one where Peter Parker reveals himself as Spider Man in the subway and stuff. It's like there's so much good stuff to that one, and it just to to go. I think that might have been what hurt the third one too. Is this the, the second one was so good that how are they going to follow it up? But again, like. Just being as big a Venom fan as I was, that was such a letdown for that movie. I still, I still don't think it's a terrible movie, but it's definitely a, a disappointment for the Venom fans. You know. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. So jumping over to a little more something current, uh, most of most of the critics out there are calling the Superman versus Batman movie a dumpster fire. Um, what, <laughs> which I disagree. I'm like completely on the. I don't understand why they hate it so badly. I loved it. I saw it four times. I'm, I'm buying it on Blu-ray. It, for me, it was it was fantastic. It was dark. It was gritty. It was it was dramatic. I know it wasn't anything like a Marvel movie, and a lot of people were continually comparing it to Marvel films. It's just not that they they right. wanted to do their own thing, and I thought Ben Affleck was surprisingly really good, and uh, I, that was maybe my favorite part of it. Wonder Woman was there. She wasn't much of it, but I I dug her. I my first thoughts were that she was too small and just not not you know. Thick mm-hmm. enough to be the Wonder Woman in my mind, but she oh. actually did pretty good. Yeah, so what uh, your that, that was a common complaint with people. I think with with her as Wonder Woman. But, so what are your um, thoughts? I consider you a movie aficionado at this point. Uh, what What are your thoughts on that movie? It starts with a little bit of backstory with Man of Steel. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of Man of Steel. Uh, I thought it was good. It's definitely better than the past two Superman movies we got. Yeah. Um, but uh, I watched it again before. Batman v Superman, and I, I I enjoyed it more, and I, I liked aspects of it more. There's still stuff I have issues with, but ultimately, Batman v Superman, I enjoyed more than Man of Steel, hey, hey. which I was I was surprised. You mm-hmm. know, uh, when I heard that they were going to be throwing Batman into this movie and doing the Justice League stuff, I was like, uh, here we go with Spider Man three syndrome. <laughs> uh, we're going to throw characters. all all this stuff people want to see into one movie, and it's going to make it a big cluttered mess. Um, but we didn't. I mean, they didn't really. Uh, you know, Aquaman was nineteen seconds, and uh, and uh, Cyborg was a you know couple thirty second little thing, and Wonder Woman was uh, you know what eight minutes uh, total. So I didn't think they were doing the whole jamming too many things into one movie. I didn't think so. I, I do. I do still take issue with some of the way they they presented things. Uh, I thought I thought the Justice League stuff was a little weak. Um, Wasn't much. Wasn't much, yeah. but I, I just the the convenience of the 
the Wonder Woman finding the email with all the videos and stuff just felt a little convenient for me. Um, but again, like you said, it, it wasn't a bunch of, of, it, of it getting shoved down our throats. Um, I'm right there with you with Ben Affleck, though. I mean, since they announced him as playing Batman, everybody jumped on the bat, you know, the... the Batfleck. Batfleck. Bat, uh, ben Affleck hate, hate train. Yeah. Ever since they announced him, I was like, I really think he could pull this off. I think he would be great. And I saw the movie, and I was like, all these people are going to be eating their words now because, like, I, I hold his Batman up there with Keaton, man. Yeah. Like, I thought he was a great Batman, especially the Batman. They, he was the Batman they cast him for. Yes. Uh, if you're going for the older, dark, brooding, don't give a crap Batman from Dark Knight Returns, you got him. Yeah. And, and and that's what I liked about it. I mean, if there's anything I can say I really, really enjoyed from Batman v Superman, it was that they they went with that character and they brought some iconic panels to life in that movie. Yeah, they did. I um, mean, Zack Snyder, visually, you can't... I mean, cinematography-wise, stunning, right? Uh, special effects-wise, just certain scenes, the crispness of his the, the, the scene, you know, the... the the way the lighting is at all is just so dramatic and so very comic booky in such a good way, in my opinion. I can just uh, I, look at that movie. I can just look at it. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, and, and a lot of people take a you know taking offense to the dream sequence stuff that goes on in it, and I can see why they did that stuff. I mean, and I don't really know exactly what's going on there. I'm not a big, uh, again, I'm not a big DC guy. I mean, I do read Batman. I'm 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 currently reading that Zack Snyder's run of Batman, but. Uh, you know, I, I knew what they were hinting at with all that, and I could see if you were going into it blind, why you might take a you know take problem with it if you don't know what's going on there. But if you know what's going on there, I mean, I I remember watching Kevin Smith's response to the dream sequence with the uh, with the Omega uh, with with Darkseid, the the hinting at all that, and he's like, man, there's so much going on there. Like for comic book nerds, that was like. That was the pinnacle of the movie right there. Parademons, man. Parademons. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he said. He's like, he's like, that made the movie for me. Like, that could have been the end of the movie, and I would have been happy. So, I mean, they were definitely paying a lot of tribute. Now, they did take a lot of liberties with things, which every every filmmaker does with comic sure. movies. Yeah. So, but, I mean, overall, I mean, I... I didn't think it was a masterpiece by any means, but I did enjoy it a lot more than the Man of Steel movie. Um... And it's just, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just Superman for me. That Superman's a hard character for me to get behind. I don't know why. Maybe it's because he is so super, you know? I think the key to Superman in movies, honestly, is a weird, this is a weird thing. But you just can't give him very much dialogue. We just got to keep it minimal. His, yeah. you know, what he says, because they're going to make him sound like a god, or they're going to... It's just going to all come out bad the more he talks. Like, the more words are spoken, the better chance, the better percentage. It just keeps going up of how it's just going to come off wrong or bad. So, I think he spoke a total of, like, 27 words in the whole movie. <laughs> so, yeah. I think someone got to them and said that. Like, he just can't but, talk very much. <laughs> Let's keep it minimal. But don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I really enjoy watching Henry Cavill as the character. Yeah. I mean, he's a good Clark. Uh, it, Definitely, you know, a step up from Brandon Routh. Uh, not to really knock that guy. I've seen him in a lot of stuff since Superman that I really dug him in. Legends of Tomorrow. You watching that? I have not watched that. 
Uh, I am behind on all my DC stuff. I just recently started watching Arrow from the beginning. I haven't even watched one episode of The Flash yet, which I'm told oh. is amazing. You know, I couldn't... I, I, I bailed on Arrow. I just... Uh, I don't know. It was very soap opera-y feeling to me, and this is a guy that watched every episode of Smallville back in the day, and I felt that that was that Arrow was a little soap opera. Just the look of it, the the the, the way it was filmed and shot, has yeah. that soap opera-y feel to me, and I get tired watching that. I don't know why, but Flash, <laughs> my God, yeah, put your eyes on yeah. that man. Yeah, I, I I wanted to kind of watch Arrow and then lead into Flash to where they tie over, but I think I'm going to end up just going straight to Flash. Do I mean, it. I, I was digging Arrow. Like, I watched the first episode of Arrow, and I was like, why the hell am I not watching this? This is good. <laughs> and then I got halfway through the season, and I was like, this is starting to get a little monotonous. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I, I'm still enjoying it, but it's like it's gotten to the point now where it's like I'm getting really slow with trying to catch up with it. So yeah. I'm thinking I may just jump on the fla the Flash train and, and go from there because I've heard nothing but good stuff about Flash. Sounds like you've already added about five question marks to Arrow. I think it's time to let her go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you you mentioned Smallville, and I think you know that I'm glad you brought that up because I think that has something to do with my love hate relationship with Superman too. Is I dedicated so much time to Smallville, <laughs> man, and. Uh, I loved the, every aspect of it. I loved the the concept of, you know, Superman growing up in Smallville and becoming, you know, learning how to become Superman and all this stuff. And I got like six seasons in, and I was like, I cannot take this anymore. <laughs> and I gave up on it, man. I, I just I stopped Bailed. watching. I, I watched the very last episode because I was like, you know, I put so much time into the show. I'm at least going to see this guy fly once. <laughs> You know, I went so, through I went through nine and watched none of the last season. I think so. I'm, I'm there is a little part of me that does want to uh, finish it, or I, or I got through maybe almost the last of it. I forget, but I don't think I totally finished it. But yeah, I, I want to go back and and see that as well. Part part of me kind of wants to go back and finish it. I mean, I, I there is like a completist side of me. Like yeah, a, me too. I do like to finish things, and I I hate that I bailed on Smallville. It's just at the time when I was watching it, I was like, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> like, and apparently, and you're like, I, I watched it to see, I want to, you know, Superman, Superman's going to fly, right? I want to see Superman fly. I come to find out, like, after watching it for as long as I did, that there was a no-fly clause in the in <laughs> yeah. the contract of the show. So right. they were like, we can't we can't just have this guy flying around everywhere. That wouldn't that would make a very good show. I was like, you got to be kidding me! This is Superman. <laughs> I know. So, but I yeah, I, when I found out it was ending. I, I was like, okay, I'm watching the last episode so I can see this dude fly at least once. And, and that's what I did. I never went back and finished it. Nice. Yeah, yeah but uh, I, I think uh, I still, overall, I'm shocked when I still, I mean, I hear the numbers for Superman versus Batman, you know, amazing, and people are still watching it, but just continually, every, every single critic is, well, I'm glad you're on, 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 that, on the same side with me there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of in the middle of the road with it. I don't dislike the movie. I don't hate it by, by any means. Uh, I don't think it's the best thing in the world either, but uh, I, don't, I definitely don't have the problems everybody else is having with it. There, there are issues I do have, but, uh, I mean, a lot, a lot, like, and it may, it may be because I am just a big fan of this actor, but, like, everybody is jumping on the... Uh, uh, Jesse Eisenberg hate train now. I thought he was. I thought he was good as Lex Luthor. I mean, he brought yeah. a fresh Lex Luthor to the screen. And uh, you know, I've seen Hackman do Luthor. I've seen Kevin Spacey do Luthor. Right. Uh, Luthor. 
it wasn't that. It wasn't either one of those. You know, it was his own. Right. I mean, I kind of liked that he he kind of went a little psycho there. And yes. It was, it was a Lex Luthor we'd never seen before. Like, I, he was nuts. Yeah, I, I I really dug him in that role. Like that was when we were walking out of the theater. That was the thing I was saying. I was like, dude, I thought Jesse Eisenberg was awesome in that. Yeah, he was just like batshit crazy. I mean, he was he, half the time he didn't. He kind of had no idea what he was talking about, and the way he yeah. delivered his lines, he was just he was a little bit of schizophrenic, a little manic. Like I dug it. I thought he was. I thought he did a great performance. Yes, I, I agree. I mean, I've. When he first started acting in movies, I could see where everybody, like, you know, he's he's another Michael Sarah. He's he's the same guy in every movie, kind of thing. Yeah, but. he's like Woody, or he's like, um, you know, he's like uh, the not Woody Harrelson. He's like, um, God, what the hell is the, the director? Uh, you know, the Woody, you know, Woody Allen. Thank you, Woody Allen. He's yeah. like a you know a Woody Allen light, right? Yeah, like a young version. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, and, and, you know, I could see people's complaints with that. But I mean, it, what it was was a social network with me when he did that. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, you would you wouldn't think a movie about the guy who created Facebook would be all that intriguing, really. I mean, it might be a good story, but uh, that movie, like, uh, when I first saw it, didn't have as much of an impact on me. But since I've watched it again and again and again, like you know, the, David Fincher, the director of that film, is one of my favorite filmmakers, and just to see what what he did with the subject matter and what Eisenberg did with the character like he really solidifies like Eisenberg's a good actor man he he deserves a lot more respect than he gets wasn't it uh, Trent Reznor on the I've only seen that movie once but wasn't that Trent Reznor from 9 inch nails that also did the yeah yeah every every aspect of that movie just is flawless for me I like, have to go see it again I saw it the once I that that soundtrack really stood out to me the sound yes. of it right yeah, the score to that movie is amazing. Like that was the first time Trent Reznor had scored a movie, and uh, yeah, I'm so glad he won the Oscar for that movie because it was it was amazing. And just the combination of his dark, the darkness of Trent Reznor's sound matched with that movie was yes. was unlikely pairing, but it just worked so well. And uh, just just from watching that movie a few more times since it first came out and, and, and really growing to love it as much as I do, like that movie is more entertaining than any movie with car chases yeah. for me. Like if you can give me a movie that's filled with nothing but dialogue and still keep me glued to the screen, you've done a pretty good, pretty good job. Yeah. Like the so, movie, uh, you know, that, that Trent Reznor soundtrack reminds me of that movie drive. You ever, you ever yes. seen the movie drive, mm-hmm. right? Car chases and that, that just that cool vibe, that sound. You're, like you're watching this, this, this sort of heavy music video, like an hour and a half music yeah. video, and uh, the tone of that, and the car chases, and the the whacked out over the top violence. Like that, that sound had that similar feel to me as the Trent Reznor soundtrack from. from yeah, there, there's a whole underground like scene like that now, as far as a, a music scene goes. Like there's a lot of stuff is reverting back to that old like John Carpenter-esque synth soundtracks and stuff. John Carpenter is another one of my favorite filmmakers and uh, everybody's kind of reverting back to that style and there's a whole underground uh, group of people on YouTube. It's called New Retro Wave um, uh, groups. Uh, it's a, it's like a Laserhawk and VHS Glitch. Uh, there's a couple other ones and it's all music that's just basically like it's music that you would hear in those kind of movies, synth driven, uh, just you know, uh, Terminator esque sort of, you know, yeah, those tech- tones. Like you know, that's another movie that has a great you know synth soundtrack is the Terminator. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I love all that stuff and I've really gotten into it here in recent years. Um, but yeah, just the pairing of, of, Tr- of Trent Reznor with that movie was, was awesome. Yeah, the soundtrack for Drive is one I read comics to constantly. Yeah. I just uh, put it on shuffle and repeat, and I just read comics. Yeah, and I, for a long time, like I said, I, I grew up being a big music fan and, and listening to bands and whatnot, but here lately, especially when since getting into movies, I find myself listening to a lot of movie scores now, yeah. a lot of that techno, uh, uh, you know, synth-driven right. uh, score stuff. and I, I love it. Like It's just nice to like put on to drive to or um, when you're just wanting to chill out at the house, just put it on. Again, words get in the way sometimes, so that, none of that stuff's got words, so it's just nice to be able to let it go in the background and, and fill that space. Yeah, it, it, it makes uh, reading comics, it just uh, make, like it's, it's a moving page, it's a living page. Like you're, you, know, you have a, a, a movie in your, in your hand that it's hard to uh, describe that that when it really hits right, when music like I listen to the uh, the soundtrack to the to uh, episode seven a lot for reading comics, and it's it's yes. neat how sometimes you're reading certain panels and it's timing out perfectly when there's action or slow moments, and it just happens to just like perfectly time itself. Yeah, it like gives me the chills a lot of times when I'm reading comics, and uh, I, I recommend that highly to anyone that's listening. And you know, you're already doing it, and just keep doing it, man. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, movie scores can open up a whole new, whole new spot in your brain, especially if you're reading along with them. Um, I just, I, I, I've, I don't know. I just have a soft spot in my heart for for movie scores now, just because I, they definitely like make or break a movie, or, or you know, nowadays it's, it's you, you really start to see like when you start to watch movies a lot more, you really start to break down what it is that makes a movie so great. Jaws wouldn't be as great of a movie as it is without that score. Yeah. Halloween wouldn't be as great of a movie without that score. You know, it's just music has a lot to do with a lot of different art forms. Yeah. They become like a character in the movie. I mean, those those themes. I mean, John Williams, anything from him just mm-hmm. just so sticks in your head. And it really sets the tone and the mood. And it just engraves those moments in your brain. And those movies wouldn't be the same. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Look at us. It's like an hour and a half now. Am I, have I worn you out? Or are you? Are you? <laughs> no, no. I could. I could talk nerd talk all night long, man. And fantastic. <laughs> we've actually. I've got a group of friends here that we've we've talked numerous times about starting some form of a podcast where we could just all get together and talk about our nerd stuff and, you know, people probably won't even listen to it or whatever. But it's like we can at least get together and talk about it. Yeah. So it's it's nice to to be able to sit down and talk about it with someone who's got similar feelings about things it's hard getting a a big group of people together to do that a lot of the times especially when there's you know kids involved and stuff like that hell yeah so do you uh are you analytical like me do you keep um like how many how many titles are on your pool right now do you know hey a bunch (laughs) (laughs) um more than i'm reading honestly to be completely honest with you like i said uh with with the x-men stuff like i've got I think every run of X-Men that's going on currently, I've got pulled and I've read like the first issue of all of them. I haven't caught up. Um, same with like Rocket and Groot, uh, the new Deadpool runs. I mean, I've, I've got a pretty good ways in the new Deadpool run, but I've kind of slacked off on that. I'm really starting to find that the, it's getting to the point now where I'm, I'm looking at the pool and I'm going, okay, what am I really just, I can't wait to go get out of that pool that week. And coming home and reading immediately, 
and uh, it's it's getting to the point now where it's like I might need to start chopping this pull list down a little bit. Do you uh, budget yourself? Do you uh, go okay? It's got to be just this amount, uh, this dollar amount per week. Do you do anything? No, like no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Here lately, it's been just here's my wallet. Take my money. <laughs> take it all. Take it no. all. It's it's starting to get to the point now where it's. Um, my buddy Andrew, who I was telling you, was a, does inking on comics. He he gave me kind of a good little. Uh, he's I was talking to him about comics, and he was like, "You know what, dude? I, we were talking about our recent stuff and everything." And he he does the digital thing with with stuff that he's interested in reading, but doesn't necessarily want to collect. Uh, he's like, you know, I only collect Punisher and Daredevil. It's like that's the only stuff I'm really gonna buy issues of and keep him, you know, keep him my house and. And whatnot. I was like, well, I can, I can kind of understand that. You have the, the, the core characters you're passionate about, and you collect for those, and you just kind of read as you can everything else. Um, I still don't quite feel like I'm, I'm of that stature. Um, I feel like if I'm going to read something, I'm going to buy it. They at least deserve my, my two dollars to read their book. Absolutely. Um, the only time I'll really resort to. To digital at this point is like I said earlier. If, if I'm on a trip, it's just easier to take a good amount of comics on the iPad digitally somewhere, or if it's just something I can't readily get hold of. Um, I just recently started re uh, reading Preacher. Yeah, that's one I want to. You know, I've never I've never read Preacher, and so I'm with you. I want to I want to do that. But also, you know, these travel boxes work really well. These BCW yeah. travel boxes hold about fifteen. So when I, I actually out, I actually just picked one up in Orlando this past weekend. Nice. Yeah, they're they're great. When I'm on a trip, I just uh, limit myself to 15, and uh, and yeah, they, I love taking them everywhere. And it, it, it always surprises me when I'm at my shop and I pull the box out. And I'm like, where did you get that? I'm like, Amazon, ten bucks. Like, it's just yeah. travel. They work great. Well, I I, uh, I saw it on on Instagram. Another another group of people I follow on Instagram had posted one, and I actually. It's funny, the day I saw one in the shop I was in that day, and then they posted a, a, a picture of it that same night on Instagram. I was like, you know, I just saw that in the store today, and I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm planning on going to this con at the end of the month, next month, and I wanted to take some books to get signed and stuff. I was thinking, how could I take books and then not get messed up? I was like, that's a perfect, perfect uh, solve to that problem. You can get one, grab one of these, and throw some books in it, and there you go. I don't have to worry about them getting smashed in a backpack or a satchel or something like that. They'll be just fine in that little box there. Heck yeah. Have you gotten yourself a sketchbook yet for when you're in line with artists to where you just kind of do that little song and dance with them? Have you have you gotten into that yet? No, not yet. I, <laughs> I kind of got uh, I got shell-shocked with that. I saw a, a, a video someone posted of going around to artist tables like the Artist Alley at a Boston Comic-Con one time. and I saw he went up to Tony Moore's table. And Tony Moore's sketches were like six hundred and twenty-five dollars. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I'll ever be able to afford that. No. So here's my yeah. move that I do with that. I just the last one that really blew me away was Mike Mignola. He did yeah. a, he did a little Hellboy sketch and a little skull for me. But mm -hmm. um, I bring my sketchbook with me to, with it, to every con, and if I happen to go into line with an artist, I just say, Hey, a little doodle, just something, you know? Like that's the move. You have to kind of make the presentation of it very light. You gotta right. just kind of make the, you know, the hey, just if you have time, I know if you're in a big line, I usually don't even bother asking if it's a big line. But if I happen to get in that moment where it's relatively a quiet, slow moment, and mm -hmm. then I'll, I'll take photos of that person and I'll, you know, spread the word like, hey, he's doing little doodles. If you kind of if it's not too busy, you know, and 
And so yeah. that's the kind of approach, and I've, I've surprisingly put together some really nice stuff over the years. So you should try that. Just get a little, and some some like a, even better, like a little mini sketchbook, because why do you need yeah. a big, giant, hunking sketchbook? A lot of time those guys are going to do just like a sort of autograph slash little Batman head, you know? Yeah. So um, yeah, it's kind of nice to look back at that. You might want to maybe try it next time. Yeah. Try it at MegaCon. So, when are you going to MegaCon? It's, uh, it's the end of May. It's the, the, like the, the Memorial. Yeah, Memorial Day weekend. Nice. So we're. Uh, I wanted to go for all four. It's just four days this year. It was. It's been three in the past years. So they've added a day, and I wanted to go for all four days. It just didn't work out that way. So we're going to go for a couple of days, and we've pretty much regulated it down to one day will be stand in line for signatures, and the next day will be uh, the last day of the con is usually the best day to get some deals on some on some books. So we're going to be there the the first day we get there we're going to just try and get as many signatures and whatnot as we can and then the last day we're going to try and get as many deals on books as we can with your rebirth into comics are you new to the con scene or was that something you went to cons back when you were into comics before or and are you are you just like kind of new into the cons yeah the, the i just recently went to uh one over in Pensacola a couple months ago called Pensacon first one i'd ever been to was that where and, Jason Mewes, the picture of you and Jason Mewes? Is that that? Yep, one? yep. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I was. I actually wasn't even gonna go to that con. My buddy, who who kind of got helped get me into comics here, uh, he was gonna go. He'd already had tickets for him and his wife, and uh, he was like, you know, you and me are the comic buddies, man. I, I kind of want to go to the con with you since we're getting into all these, you know, we're we're getting into collecting and everything together. I was like, well, he's like, what if I get your ticket? I was like, well, if you get my ticket, I'll go. I can't say no to that. <laughs> so um, he bought me a ticket to the con, and I went, and I had a blast, man. It was like <laughs> so many people in cosplay that you feel out of place in normal clothes. Right. I love that. Yeah. I love when that happens. You're like, you're the oddball because you're not wearing anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it was cool to see everybody. Like, there was a guy there because this was right after Deadpool came out. And there was a guy, there was so many people dressed up as Deadpool, but there was one guy who had it down, like the costume was almost spot on, just down to the, how, how dirty it looked and the way he had it. And it just, and he was, you know, we just couldn't believe it. And then, you know, I, I got to nerd out over Star Wars stuff there and I'm, I'm a big Star Wars fan and R2-D2 is like my favorite movie character of all time. And I'd never seen like a life-size one before and they had one there and I kind of, geeked out a little bit got a picture with it um, it, was, it was fun and I was able to find a pretty good amount of books that I was looking for like like I said the humans I found some of that stuff there some image stuff that I was looking for uh, spread like actually spread I got from you yeah. um, you talked about it in a couple of uh, a couple of episodes of the podcast I was like I gotta check this book out it's good so, uh, surprise I, I haven't good. I haven't started reading it yet unfortunately but how much, I am definitely how looking forward a, to it. Like, what do you, uh, how many comics a day, a week uh, do you read? Like, do you read every day? Or what, what, how much time do you think you're putting into actually reading comics? I wish I did read every day, man. But it, you, with my job, I, I have a pretty, I'm a you know, salaried guy at the job I work at. So I work pretty long hours throughout the week. And I try to fit stuff in where I can. And usually when I get home, it's, you know, have dinner, spend time with the wife for a little while. We'll catch up on our, on our shows, on our programs programs <laughs> and uh and then when she goes to get ready for bed i'll usually sit in my office and read a, few, a handful of comics and uh i try to do as much as i can but here lately just with work and having vacation and all that stuff it's it's i'm, I'm a little behind 
like I said, I've, I've got way more here to read than I actually could catch up on in the next month, but I'm still, you know, I'm determined to, to get, get to a point where I'd be like, yeah, I've read all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> how backlogged are you? If you had to pick a number, how many do you have to read? Uh, I couldn't even give you a, a, an amount at this moment, at this Ooh, point. Over a hundred? Over two hundred? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. I, I, I'm I'm of the point right now where it's like if anything looks even remotely interesting I'll pick it up, wow. and uh, again like I've, I've I've had stuff on the pull now for a little while that I've I'm like I want to read that I'll keep it on the pull and it's been in the pool and I keep getting backed up with it and they just keep piling up so I'm probably gonna have to like like I like we were talking about uh, adopt your uh, three question, five question five mark rule well I I, I usually rule out. Uh... I usually read about about six comics an hour, mm-hmm. and I usually read about three to four hours a week of comics. Wow. I've got it down to a science. I usually read on my lunch breaks, uh, sometimes on my actual breaks, and usually, my wife, is a she works graveyard, so uh, on those graveyard nights, then those are like, catch up on everything. But sometimes yeah. my lunch hour, my one hour, I'll bust out six, so if I only have 15 or 20 that week, you know, three lunch hours, and I'm... I'm fairly yeah. good. So that's, I've got it uh, down to a science, to a rhythm. <laughs> typically for me, it's a, a lot of it comes down to, you know, uh, when the wife's gone to bed or something like that is when I have a lot of time to catch up. Uh, I'll usually stay up late on the weekends. Like right now, if I, if I weren't talking to you, I'd probably be reading comics. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm not happy to be talking to you right I'm now. I'm hanging up on you now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Click me. <laughs> uh, I've, I've got uh, issue one of Gwenpool here that I'm, I'm anxious nice. to check out. Give me your review on that. I passed. Yeah, I, I just recently got really into Spider-Gwen. And then I was like, well, Gwenpool looks interesting. Visually, i, I got to say, Spider-Gwen is, is pretty awesome, visually. I, I won't even lie to you. Uh, the... the, the Main reason I got into Spider Gwen is because her costume is freaking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I went to I a con like, where there was a, a, a just dead on cosplayer as as Gwenpool and or as Spider Gwen, and it was like amazing how perfectly yeah. done, and it's just visually very cool. I like it. And and again, Jason Latour, uh, Southern Bastards. We keep yeah. coming back to these guys. Yeah, uh, it just, I, I, but Spider Gwen is one of those where it's like I've got it. But I have still have to catch up on it. I'll tell you, I did bounce out of that. Like it hit the five question mark point for me on on Spider Gwen. Yeah. So tell me later if uh, if I should be regretting that, and then let me know about Gwenpool. Well, again, like that one is another one that comes back to continuity too, because it's it starts with the Edge of Spider Verse stuff, which I I don't have, and it's like where does Gwenpool or, or uh, Spider Gwen you know start? Do I need this backstory? All that kind of thing. And it's, it's it's all about where I can jump in. If I can usually jump into something quite comfortably, that's usually what I'll gravitate towards and read first. Um, if it's something that's more like, oh, you need a little bit of story to get into this one, I'm more like, oh, I'll get to that one later. Wow. Um, it's that's just crazy. Get, get, getting to those later has gotten really, really later at this point. <laughs> well, that's so. crazy, man. You got a, a, you got you got a giant stack that has to be like looming over you constantly. That's a well. I mean, considering I just literally started collecting comics in February. That's nuts. February, and, and I've got five short boxes full right now. 
And how many are you jamming in there? They're only supposed to fit what fifty or hundred. Yeah, I don't. I couldn't even tell you how many are in each one at this point. And I've got a long box that's half full. I'm looking at at the moment. That's crazy. And then I have the desk, which is where my computer is, that has a stack this big on it. Nice. Right next to a stack that's <laughs> this big on it. <laughs> wow. You know, like, and this is all stuff that I still need to to get alphabetized and everything so yeah i'd say man pace yourself and uh you know just uh listen to your inner being about what you're really digging and uh yeah, yeah. time time management get your do the list uh if i look at me i'm sounding like a i'm gonna solve your whole world and your <laughs> but uh i want you to well, you know i want you to be happy and keep reading and not get frustrated and uh, just keep buying you know and keep loving it <laughs> oh yeah well i mean you're one of the elders so i could i could I could take your advice to heart. So you've nice. been reading for a long time. So since 1901, um. February 1901, <laughs> it was a Tuesday. <laughs> I've even gone back so far now. It's so like a lot of what I'm I'm getting now too is back issue stuff because it's like a lot of it is just you know the Venom stuff and and, and I've actually gone you know we talked about how Lobo kind of started me back in middle school. I've even gone as far back as to go back and get the Lobo stuff that I used to have in middle school. Just so I could be like, hey, I'm, I'm, you're back, <laughs> you know. Hey, hey, uh, I, I didn't forget you after all these years. So I but, saw uh, when they when they revamped Lobo as like a as like a like an emo kind of yeah. um, kind of teen or late teens. I, I, yeah, I passed. I just looked yeah. at it and went, no, that's not my Lobo. I know I shouldn't yeah. have, but at that time, I was like, no, I can't do this. Yeah, I, I I haven't ventured into that area. I'm still I'm still back to old school Lobo. So once I once I catch up, which will probably be years from now, but maybe I'll maybe I'll give Emo Lobo a shot. But at Emo this Lobo. point, I'm <laughs> that's a good name. That's what they should have titled Emo Lobo. <laughs> but yeah, one of these days I'll catch up on all these books because it's like well that's another thing too. Like especially with the Marvel stuff is they they've just started doing this standoff run, and it's like. I read just the first standoff issue, and then it ties into all these other books that I'm not reading. And I'm like, well, damn, do I do I buy all these single issues of these runs that I'm not reading just so I can read this storyline? That's crazy. And it's you know it sucks because I'm I'm kind of interested in the story now, but it's like I'm not gonna buy Agents of Shield if I haven't read it. Yeah. But you know it's it's one of those things you kind of have to either accept or just not not get into when you get into comics. And then look at DC Rebirth. You know, they, one thing that they they quickly went over that I, I that I seriously took to heart, and that was the big factor of me in, investing into Rebirth, is everything is biweekly. It's two comics a month, mm-hmm. and they are reducing their price. They talked about going from three ninety nine to two ninety nine, but biweekly. And yeah. then my goodness, there's going to be you know forty two titles or something. Yep. I mean, we just you know. You got to do the math. You got to look at the money. You got to you got to look at the time. I you know I'm I'm gonna pick and choose. And I've been burnt with them before, man. I was all in on fifty two. Yeah. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it very gingerly, very very slow, very. I'm gonna dip into the water, into the hot water, very slowly. I I, I went ahead whenever the preview guide came out. I went ahead. I was like, okay, I'll I'll dip my hand into Sp- uh, Superman and Batman, and that's as far as I'm going. Superman sounds uh, crazy. Did you hear what they're doing with Superman? They're like. I know it's Gene Yun Lang, I think, is uh, still going to be writing it, right? Gene Yun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
What's weird is they're going back to like the old number issues for like detective comics and action comics and right. stuff. Right. Why not do all of them? Like, why, right. Why not do them all? It's just uh, I, the main thing I'm really interested in with the rebirth is the All Star Batman that Scott Snyder's doing. Yeah. That's uh, good. I mean, just because I'm I'm really into Scott Snyder's Batman, the New Fifty Two stuff, and I really I'm really digging the ideas that I'm hearing about All Star Batman. So I'm at this point that might be the only thing I end up sticking with as far as Rebirth goes. But I'm going to give Superman and Batman a shot. That's a safe bet with Batman because through the Fifty Two, it's the only title that's really had any real impact and really done something unique and had been interesting to read, honestly. Because I I got every single one of the Fifty Twos and read them for a while. I'm, the, I don't know how I afforded it, but it was like, you know, a hundred and something dollars a week at that time. It was crazy. Yeah. And uh, See, I, <clears throat> I've had to just catch up on the trades on that, and now I've actually got, like, I think it's 40. Yeah, I've started doing the single issues from, like, 40 up to 50 now. That's crazy. Animal Man. No, I take that back. Batman and Animal Man uh, with Jeff Lemire writing. Right. If you, if you want to, did you see any of that? Did you read any of the Animal Man? No. Uh -uh. You should. I hate to say it. You should put that on your list. It was good. Check it out. It was really good. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um, but yeah, I, the Batman was just so easy to jump into. And, yeah. And the way Snyder writes it is just awesome. I mean, uh, and, and you don't, I mean, of course there's there's Batman background and lore there, but if, if you know Batman, it's easy to just jump right into it. You don't have to know all this different stuff. Although I was burned a little bit. Um, I was under the assumption that we would see the the Joker with the face being cut off stuff happen in the new Fifty Two run, yeah. And then was was let down by death of uh, a death of the family uh, run when that didn't happen because it actually happened in Detective Comics. Yeah. So that was like, oh well, crap! I wish I would have known that. I would have read Detective Comics first. Mm-hmm. But that was a lesson I had to learn at the beginning. But. Yeah, that was a little bummer. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you on that. Totally. But yeah, I'm into a few of the titles. I'm definitely gonna check out some stuff and have some hope, and give uh, give probably at least five or seven uh, titles a chance, and yeah. uh, and hope that they do some unique good stuff. They they admitted, you know, they've done some bad in the past. They're lowering the prices. They're renumbering them back to, on some back to the original numbering. So some of the things are moving in the right direction. So yeah, I, I may give Flash a chance too. I mean, depending on if anybody says it's it's good or not. I mean. Again, like it's it's all about jumping off points for me. I don't really want to jump into something where I don't know what's going on. So I figure maybe if if Flash is a good jumping on point, I might start with Flash there. But I'm gonna uh, check it out solely for the love of the show. That I just want more Flash. Really? Yeah. So I'm not, I haven't been the biggest Flash fan over the years. I, I've collected very little of it. The Flashpoint run was good, but uh, mm -hmm. the New Fifty Two I bounced out after a while. But just from the sheer love of the show, which you're gonna start watching. I want more Flash, and I'm I'm in on that one. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely excited to to check out the show for sure. I may even start on it this weekend. Who knows? This, Although I'll tell you this, I don't <clears throat> I don't go back and buy TV shows very often. I know you. I've seen your Instagram. You buy you buy movies. You do occasionally buy some shows, right? But not too much. Right. I want to buy season one of the Flash. I've passed on it a couple of times. Um, I do kind of try and set myself a budget when it comes to movies because they are so pricey. Um, I can justify buying a handful of comics because I can spend twenty bucks on comics and get a, a nice stack of comics for that much. But uh, you know, when I, I I've gotten to the point now where I used to just flat out willy nilly buy movies at at, at you know new price uh, when they would come out when I would 
really want to get them. And yeah. it got to the point where I was like, you know, this is way too much money to be spending, <laughs> especially when I, I do a lot of pawn shopping because you can actually find decent movies and pawn shops around here for five bucks. Oh, wow. And that's, and that's Blu-ray prices. That's cool. So I, I actually started doing a lot of, of, of buying my movies at pawn shops. And it was to the point where I was like buying these movies brand new and they would come out and then a month later I'd find them in a pawn shop for five dollars. Wow. And I and I haven't even watched the copy I bought for twenty dollars a month ago. Wow. So it's like I really gotta put myself in check here. So I don't really like to spend more than ten bucks on a movie title if I don't have to. And the same thing with T V shows and stuff like that. I, I really try to I only really buy T V shows when I find them really cheap at pawn shops and stuff like that. Uh, just because TV, I typically will watch the season and never really go back to it again. Yes, and and I would say that the the Flash season one is inspiring me to watch it again. And yeah. That that uh, I've never watched any of the Walking Dead's again. I've never watched almost anything ever again twice. Uh, right. I've watched the the series twenty four season one. I've watched that a couple more more than once. But um, Flash season one altogether in in this encapsulated single season, it stands alone all by itself. Each and every episode is, is really strong, really solid. The acting, the father-son stuff they tap on, mm -hmm. it's, uh, I want to buy it and own it. And I've been kind of, I have it, I think, in my Amazon wish list right now. And uh, I definitely, I can't recommend it higher. That's one me and my wife watched. Just that's the only two shows we really watched together. Well, we watch a few other things, but those are like the two ones we want to see live. We want to see that day it comes out is, is Walking Dead and Flash. Yep, yep. Um... That's that's the big thing with me and my wife and finding time for reading comics and, and watching TV shows and watching movies. It's like I've I've got all this these platforms of entertainment now that it's like I've got to be able to find time for each of them. Yeah. And it's the more I'm the, the, the more I'm progressing with my work, uh, the more I'm finding less time at home to, to put towards watching a movie or watching TV shows or reading comics. So but there we go talking about the adult stuff again. Exactly work and whatnot i'm with you man but you know it's, yep. it's what it is <laughs> but my wife and i watch a ton of tv shows it's like it's overwhelming how many tv shows we watch sometimes um and i've i've been known to like really want to watch something and we'll watch two or three episodes and then i'll bounce out of it yeah. and it could and it's not because the season's bad or anything it's just because it's like well we're already watching three other tv shows <laughs> right now i don't really i can't fit another one in at this point i'm at the point where but, when i see that something has ended like a like yeah. any, I'm like I'm like yes because mm -hmm. it's over. It's not going to keep going, and maybe I'll go back to that and watch the three seasons because yep. something goes to nine seasons, ten seasons, eleven seasons, and you fall behind. It's like forget it. Yep, and that's what's so great about this whole new uh, Netflix rebirth of yeah. TV shows with me is they release all of it at once, so you can just binge it. Yes. And I feel like you probably do lose a little bit with watching all that much of it all at one time. But I tell you what, man, I could not turn Daredevil season two off. Yeah, so good. Dude. I'm in the. I only, so only into like the fourth episode of it, so uh, I haven't, we haven't oh. finished it. I'm gonna be watching it's... some tonight after we after I wrap this pot up, and I'm gonna get in there and watch the. Uh, I just uh, finished the episode where um, Electra is introduced. That's yeah. uh, that's where I'm at. So. Savor it, man. I mean, they stepped up their game big time this season. Yeah. Uh, I, I I almost want to watch it again because we went through it so fast. But, I mean, <laughs> dude, John Bernthal as the Punisher was a revelation. <laughs> I mean, his introduction in the show and where they take him. I mean, you've seen some of the 
stuff they've done with him so far. If you're up to episode four, he's just killing it, he's like totally, <laughs> literally and metaphorically. Yeah. <laughs> he's just such a great Punisher, man. I can't. I do hear. I do hear Shane in there sometimes in my mind. I'm just you know ready for him to. You can't protect Rick. You know, just like <laughs> give us one of those moments or something. You know? I I honestly Lori! like. You know? <laughs> I, I was expecting to see that, and uh, I I caught it in some places, but I was surprised to see at first how much I was just like, man, I really don't see a whole lot of of uh, of Shane in him right here. It but was in my. Eventually, head. it does come in. <laughs> oh really? Okay. It was more yeah. in my head. You know, the just just uh, that 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 southern draw and the way he kind of talks and he moves his head down when he talks like that. You know, I was yeah. exp- and, and you know I'm waiting for it and I'm I don't know I just loved his character in The Walking Dead and so it was all going on in my head. But then I would out loud say that a couple of times with my wife in the room. And, you know, you can't have Lori, Rick. You know, I can just <laughs> and we would laugh. That's a, that's a pretty good chain, right? That's there. not bad, right? <laughs> Practiced it in the mirror a lot. No, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's so much stuff, right? So much good content, so many things. It's uh, there's just not enough. I wish there. Was, I wish every day was thirty eight hours. We just have more time to, to watch stuff and read stuff. Yeah, my wife and I like to conversate a lot about how the older we get, the more time goes by faster. It does. It literally it's just, happens, right? It's like you know when you were a kid, you couldn't wait for Christmas, and Christmas took so long to get here. <laughs> now it's like. I could sleep through Christmas now, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're like, Christmas is Thursday, and you wake up, and it's Wednesday already. So the next week, it's like, what? Christmas was yep. last Thursday. You missed mm-hmm. it. It's gone. It's like, man, I was I was 25 yesterday, wasn't I? Now I'm 37. Jesus. I'm telling you. It's crazy. Like, you know, my son's 19. He's like this grown person, you know, and he's standing there in front of me sometimes, and I just, I just wig out. I just, like you say, go willy-nilly. Like, just, like, this is weird. Like, this... He came out of me, and there he yeah. is standing there like a person with facial hair, and you know, <laughs> and he's sweating. And it's yeah, not that I mean, hell, I've, this is weird. I've got <laughs> there, there's a ten year gap between my brother and then I have two sisters after him, and uh, it's really weird now to see like when I was when I was twenty and my brother was ten, so it was like he was still a kid when I left home, and the other two were even younger than him. So now like they're. My brother's got two kids. My sister's got a kid and one on the way. Or no, no, now she's got two. See, I'm terrible at even keeping up with it. <laughs> but like, it's it's weird. Like all those kids that I was around not so long ago are now adults with families and stuff. It's just it makes you a lot of things that puts your life into perspective, especially lately. I mean, come on, dude, Prince just died. That I know, that was that just sucks, man. That is like. I, I, my wife's still in denial. Like we watched Purple Rain the other night. It's like it's just yeah. it's just weird. It's all it's it's sad. It's, it's you know Michael Jackson and Prince were such big parts of my like musical development growing up. And even with all the stuff that happened with Michael Jackson, you know, it is what it is. Whatever happened, happened. Whoever knows what happened knows, and we will never know. Yeah. But. Uh, it still doesn't change the fact that when I heard that Michael Jackson died, like I, my, my like heart sunk. I was like, dude, that like Michael Jackson's dead. Yeah. And it's, it was the same thing with Prince, man. Like even, you know, I, I wasn't even, wasn't even a thought in the back of my mind that, Hey, Prince could be gone tomorrow. Yeah. Cause he just seemed like such a healthy guy. And like, then you hear that, that it happened and you're like, man, like it, it really bummed me out. And, uh, it just, you know, I was telling my wife, it, it sort of puts everything in perspective. Like, 
Prince was alive yesterday and now he's gone. Yeah. It's like, it could happen to anybody. It's crazy. And, anybody. uh, yeah, just, that's another, another adult, adult theme we're getting on there. But, uh, it's, yeah, that's I mean, stuff. There's, it's, there's, there's rare music that rare in this world, right? Where, where true musical geniuses, uh, you know, emerge and, you know, Michael Jackson, Prince, they were musical geniuses, period. They, they spoke another language. It was the language of music. They, they, uh, they were on another level in their minds. And, uh, I think maybe yeah. that's what that's what happens with some of these amazing great people. They just uh, they're not meant to live the long life, you know. That it, it's just uh, right. something in the cards, something in the DNA. And when they're that unique, their brain works and fires differently, right? So maybe it's just not meant to be. But I don't know. I ponder all those things when this was a big yeah. blow. This was heavy. And it's like I, said, I told my wife. Uh, I th- we were actually talking about this today. I was like, you know, with Prince or or Michael Jackson or, or even even Bowie, which yeah. Well, uh, I won't say that for Bowie, but like Prince and, and, and Michael Jackson, for sure, like in the past decade or more, like neither one of them had put out music that I really have cared to listen to. I mean, nothing that's going to that's gonna take the place of Purple Rain or, or Beat It or Thriller in, in my heart. Mm-hmm. But, and it's like, I'm bummed that they're gone, not because I'm not going to get any more music out of them, but because... They just impacted the music that I love so much, yeah. and it's just weird that I, I live in a time where they're no longer here anymore. It's like they're they're when you feel that strongly about an artist, right? Their their music like defines you as a person. Yeah. So you feel that that little piece of you has has died, has passed, because right. they they've they've sort of made you part partially of who you are, like that that internal language that you speak, that that the sounds that you hear and and. And what you follow, what you listen to, and what you love—it's—it's—it's it's, it's ingrained in you, and especially when these are artists that we were into when we we're in a young at a young age. So it—it it has a much bigger impact. So yeah, it was—it's heavy. It's heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Heavy adult stuff. Yep. <laughs> I had to dig out my Prince comics. I remember, I remember being, <laughs> there being a couple of them. I, I have to find where they are. I, I have to work on alphabetizing, but they should be in the P boxes, which are you know, four or five P boxes that I have. <laughs> but uh, I have to go look and see if I still have my Prince comics. I remember him on the cover. I remember the face. I remember the look of it. I don't yeah. remember the content of the of the comic, but uh, I do remember the cover. It's there. I'm gonna find it. It was probably high heels and frilly yeah. clothing and some glitter. Yeah, yeah some some eye <laughs> eye shadow. But that's okay though, man. Prince Prince could pull it off. Yeah, he was a he was a freak. He was. An amazing, musically talented freak, but crazy. There's there's a pretty funny video that Kevin Smith posted on YouTube where he was talking about when he he briefly worked with Prince on a small documentary Prince wanted to do. You should you should YouTube that and, and watch it. It's pretty funny. I'll have to check that out. But of course, anything Kevin Smith you know talks about is going to come across as funny, but <laughs> his delivery is amazing. You know, he, Prince was just on that show, The New Girl. I remember him being uh, having a cameo. And you ever watch The New Girl? Show no, my the, my wife does, but I've never watched it. It's uh, it's decent, and I remember him making a little cameo in that. So it's just like just yesterday we even saw him on TV. <laughs> Crazy. Yep. Very very nuts. So yeah, man, thank you for. I mean, it's, it's almost it's over two hours now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel put, like I feel put like two clear. nerds uh put new two two nerds on microphones across the uh the world from each other on on microphones and they can talk for hours. That's the name, by the way, of the podcast you and I are doing together, just so you know. That's uh, that's perfect. 
I'm going to take that. <laughs> this is what happens when two nerds... <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> this is what happens when you put two nerds on microphones across the country from each other. Boom. Patent pending. We'll get there you R go. R with the circle. We're going <laughs> to... Well, man, I definitely appreciate you reaching out and asking me to be on the podcast. I, I definitely, you know, I, I enjoyed talking to you, talking about comics. And I'm, I, anytime you want to talk about comics, man, I'm game. I have to thank you from the deep recesses of my heart, man. Like you always putting forward positive messages on Instagram and, and you're, you're always posting things that I enjoy looking at. And you've uh, completely supported Sunspots Comics and the show and... Uh, you're, you're eligible for the box that I'm giving out, so thanks for just, you're, you're always signing it. You're doing everything that, uh, that I, I, I beg every week for, for people to do, so thank you. Yeah. And uh, your support's been fantastic. Your positive energy is something that just fuels me, keeps me going. So thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for all of your support. And uh, we'll have, definitely have you on again, and, and we'll talk again. And uh, I love your perspective on things, and I want to talk to you more about movies and uh and just that you're the, the rebirth of you into comics again, I think it's totally interesting that it's back in your life and and you're just absorbing it like crazy and you've got 300 comics to read. Like, it's just, it's madness. You're buying movies at pawn shops, which I want to do that, by the way. That sounds like a good idea. We don't have many pawn shops out here, but I'm going to look for some. Man, I, I try to make it a point to, if, if there's a pawn shop in the area, I'll go at least go, uh, scout it out for movies just because it's, it's cheaper that way and usually you can... You can find stuff in there that's not in bad shape, and sometimes you can find pretty recent releases at a very good price. So it's definitely worth doing if you're into, into buying movies and don't have a ton of budget for it. That's definitely the way to go. And thanks. And uh, again, where can people find you on Instagram? Plug yourself because you love Instagram. Instagram, I'm <laughs> going to be at Josh underscore watches underscore movies, which is kind of a handful to uh, type in there, but that's the way Instagram is for some reason. And uh, on the Twitter, I'm at Joshua. Browning and same thing on Facebook. I don't really uh, do too much on either of those. I'm more more of an Instagram guy nowadays, but I do occasionally float back and forth between the two. And uh, I'll I'll be on Instagram posting pictures of the comics I'm reading, movies I'm watching, movies I'm buying, where I'm going, what I'm doing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's very cool finding out. Like you and I are very like minded. We we enjoy a lot of the same things and have a lot of this of similar opinions on stuff and. Uh, it's just been a joy, like talking to you and having you, uh, uh, again, support Sunspots Comics and me. And and please just keep doing what you're doing, man, because I really appreciate. It. I really enjoy it. And uh, let's talk more and let's nerd out some more. Absolutely, man. I'm <laughs> definitely game. Absolutely. Well, thanks, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks again, Josh. Thanks, thanks Chris. All right, take care. Man, oh man, what fun that was. Thanks again, Josh, for always supporting Sunspots Comics. And thanks for the fantastic conversation. Let me get to know you a little bit. That was just a ton of fun. I definitely want to have more guests and more fans of the show on the podcast. So if you're interested in being on the podcast, just hit me up on social media at Sunspots Comics or send me an email, chris at sunspotscomics.com. And if you send me an email with a request or recommendation or something of that nature and I read your information, your letter, your email on the show, I will send you a free little comic book related gift. So throw me an email, chris at sunspotscomics.com. So, oh, also wanted to give a quick thank you to my son, Justin. Justin actually does, you can follow him on Instagram, by the way, at JustLAKings. He is doing our blog for Sunspots Comics. Check it out at blog.sunspotscomics.com. It's fantastic. Last uh, Monday, he wrote about the TV show, the animated series Star Wars Rebels. 
and he inspired me to watch it. So I'm going to be starting watching that very soon. So check out his blog. It's pretty awesome. And thanks again, Justin, for doing it. Blog.sunspotscomics.com. And also, I'm doing a comic book. I'm writing a comic book. My friend Jordan Hudson's doing the art. You can follow him on Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is amazing. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's called Zombie Destroyers. And Zombie Destroyers, check out the website. I actually have zombiedestroyers.com. And just a quick update, we're working on pages 7 through 9. And that's the update. But check out zombiedestroyers.com because I will be posting some more pictures very soon of the pages. So there'll be more information to look at and chew on for Zombie Destroyers. My comic book. I can't believe I'm making one. Thank you, Lord. It's been so much fun. So let's jump right into Podcast 51, which covers New Comic Book Day, April 20th. And there were no articles this week. Nothing really jumped out at me. And this is the favorite, my favorite part of the co- of the podcast. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert, of course, I do read a ton of comic books. I do give you some of the juiciest, juiciest, tastiest parts, but I try not to completely spoil the whole darn thing for you. But uh, you have been warned, spoiler alert, I read 16 comics this week and 7 made it to the top picks favorite list. Unfortunately, that didn't hit the 50% mark, which is really where I like to be. That, that 50% of them I loved, and this was just shy of that, but just by a smidge. And I tell you, these comic book recommendations that I'm about to, these seven I'm about to describe, you need to go to a local comic book shop and buy them immediately. They're fantastic pieces of art. They're great standalone, all by themselves comic books. Uh, the continuity is there, but I tell you, just alone as pieces of art and writing, it just comes together, the synergy of that, which is just what I'm trying to capture in my comic book, Zombie Destroyers. But please go to a local comic book shop, support comics on paper. As I've said before, I'm not of the Church of Comicsology. I'm much more into having it in my hand, smelling the ink, holding the paper, flipping the pages, uh, and it's, it's just a ton better that way. So buy some paper, folks. Do it. By the way, these uh, this week's uh, art winner, art winner and cover art winner is the same person, Ali Fell for Shadow Glass Number Two. Gorgeous, gorgeous art. It's in the genre of like the 1400s, like Christopher Columbus type uh, time frame in that area. Very sort of Shakespearean look, but gorgeous, hyper realistic art. Beautiful colors. Each panel in this comic is just a work of art that you can hang on the wall. Ali Fell, gorgeous work. Fantastic cover, by the way, and I'll talk more about the comic because it was one of my favorites of the week. But the cover has this this angelic sort of winged shadow behind this female character, and the way the light hits it, it's just so realistic. And the ruffles on the the cape and and the sword, it's just it's amazing. And the, the way Ali uh, pays... Just very intricate detail to light. Easy art pick winner of the week. So buy that immediately. Shadow Glass, number two, art and story by Ali Fell. And it's tough, right, to do the art and the story. So some serious props to you. And also, uh, number we, number ones. I always like to discuss how many number ones I buy every week. This week was only two. There was one called Department H, and there was a one-shot in the Chew series, Pollo Demon Chicken. And that was just... Just a ton of fun and a mess, and I love all the intricate little writings and little jokes they write on the background of anything Chew-related, and this was Demon Chicken, and it was fun. And Department H made me made the favorite list of the week, so I'll be discussing uh, Department H very soon. So very last spoiler alert as I break them down. Uh, so here we go for New Comic Book Day, April 20th. Here's my seven favorite picks of the week. Coming in at number seven is Clean Room. 
And this was on the pick list because it was a big reveal, a big sort of plot reveal in this. And the art is gorgeous. Very super hyper-realistic, but in a cartoony style of coloring. And this sort of highlights this main character and also sort of defines the story, which we're in number seven, and this was a very sort of mysterious story about this strange clean room, like this all-white room, sort of like that setup room in the Matrix, where there this this author, this woman who's made a fortune as an author, sort of communicates with this demon slash alien slash you're not really sure what it is that's hell-bent on destroying the Earth. You think she's in cahoots most of the time in previous issues? Well, this shows that our main character, who was run over when she was a little kid, but survived it, and then was able to see these aliens slash demons after they tried to kill her and run her over numerous times, backed up and ran back over. Well, this reveals that she, in fact, is a major player in the fight against this demon slash alien force that's made its way to the Earth. And this is a sort of flashback into this character, which I'm assuming is going to be very important, of this young woman that was... they tested on her. There was an alien, so like an abduction, and they cut her open. It's very gruesome as to the graphicness of the few panels where they show her body and what they did to her. And so they become friends. They sort of skip that part. They're very important to each other, but... This is the, the when they met, and she maybe has that precog, I'm feeling. Maybe that's coming, uh, that she's that precognitive sort of character. But they even show our character... By the way, this book that she wrote, and how she made her fortune, for some reason, she must have sort of sewn in alien technology or language or something, because some people that read her sort of Dianetics-like book, they kill themselves. <laughs> they see the aliens, demons, on Earth, and most of them can't take it and end themselves. They think they're crazy. So this shows early on that she says that her father was one of these alien demons. And so that's the big reveal here, is that this primary character who you thought uh, was uh, just one of the bad guys is actually one trying to fight it. And then we go back to our the other sort of main character who her boyfriend did kill herself after her boyfriend read this strange Dianetic style book and that she hasn't been had the chance to really trust anyone seems like everyone that's coming at her is trying to hurt her and finally she it seems like she really has someone she can confide in it always seems like it's these these aliens that are trying to kill her as well because she can see them and it, it, I really like the relationship they built here with this cop and the cop seems legit and not so by the book and, and kind of bendy of the rules a bit, but really ultimately to help people. And I, I just like that relationship there, and I hope that doesn't backfire on her. And they just, they're just starting to develop that relationship. He just sort of popped onto the scene. So I dig that as well, and that, that for me was a selling point. So that's why it's the number seven. Check out Clean Room, number seven. By the way, team of Simone, Davis Hunt, and Winter, which gotta give props to the art fantastic gorgeous so check out clean room one to definitely check out number six is the shadow glass which i already discussed the art so i won't go over that again it's the art cover winner and the art winner overall written and drawn by ali fell and this is number two in this dark horse series looks like it's probably going to be a mini i think i saw somewhere that it was going to be six 
but this again set in the sort of I don't know 1400s 1500s and they find this shadow glass artifact they to encapsulate number one they experiment with the shadow glass and it kills this young woman but she her child was born we don't know from where or how the child was born but it sort of flashes forward after the mother's death to this young daughter maybe in her you know early teens or something 15 16 and this daughter is going seeking out trying to find her parents she's she's a little uh, against the grain of her time she dresses sort of manly and uh, wears sort of what they consider inappropriate clothing at that time I like that it seems to be sort of time-wise or historically kind of accurate to the look of that that scene anyway which I think this is in uh, I don't know where it is actually I forgot but I'm sure it explained in the first one it seems like Paris or Rome or somewhere in Europe you know has that Eastern European feel to it and so she's really just trying to find out who her father is it's definitely an exploration for this young woman of what happened to her mother who is her father in the first comic that's right she her father admitted she was adopted so and begged her not to find her uh, genetic you know parents but she goes off and tries to find anyway and it's back to the doctor that did this experimentation with the shadow glass and uh, they the adopted father on on his deathbed told her who her father was and her father shows up at the house back to see this Dumbledore looking wizard uh, that is the <laughs> he's sort of innocently unleashing some sort of uh, demonic artifact here that's killing women and so she's having to peek around and sneak around to try to find to, to watch them do this seance and it's such a simple thing the the sort of how she's just not socially allowed to do very much I thought that was really accurately held and and it uh, is it was frustrating I was like wow how simple a thing as to how things were in that time but it was so frustrating it's like she couldn't just uh stay up past seven o'clock and go look around or do anything they'd find a candle in the hallway every just everything the pressure she had of being a young woman in this era was well written so fantastic job there and it's just gorgeous it's like looking at a it's like looking at a kincaid picture i'm i'm, I'm a fan of kincaid his art style the the light, the way the sun is drawn on leaves, it's just, it's so gorgeous, and the facial expressions are so detailed from just how, when they're doing a seance, the eyes rolling into the back of the head, and the shadow glass itself is just such a mysterious artifact that I want to know more about it, and the reveal at the end as to who this, who the shadow glass summons is a pretty interesting. I don't want to spoil that part of it, but the way that the the green magic uh, comes out of the shadow glass is just gorgeous. You go from just all sort of time frames from day to night to, to just a shadowy look in rooms and minimal candlelight to this green seance. It's just, it's, it's magic-y, it's, it's period piece, it's, it's just gorgeous. I'm really, really enjoying it, so that's why. Number six, the shadow glass. Number two, thank you, Ali Fell. Gorgeous! And coming in at number five is Bloodshot Reborn, number 12. This is sort of that old man Logan kind of story. If you like that, read this, because this is fantastic. Hats off to the art. They're the back cover, don't forget to peek at the back cover as this, this shadowy full page 
sort of close up on Bloodshot's face. Very cool, but done in this dark red. And he's, uh, there's some heart here, which I, I dig. He's having flashbacks of Magic, who was just killed recently, and that's where he's hell-bent on finding her killers. And he's having just a pleasant day flashback here where they're playing chess. And they're not, she's uh, not getting chess. And I've just started playing chess the last couple of years, so I don't know, that's one thing that I thought was, uh, that tapped on uh, the heartstrings for me. I'm like, oh, cool, they're playing chess, and... They're doing it together and having a, a warm moment in their home. And then you're back to just action. And Ninjak, the older Ninjak here, has an awesome ninja jet. And they're shooting it out of the sky. The action sequence here are fantastic. And the the really the capper for me, the, the thing that really made this issue just stand out was this battle that he was going to have. You thought he was going to have an all-out long drag out fisticuff fight with a sort of a shadow man boss he uh as the shadow man boss approaches he he lets his defense down this guy has this this giant sort of sword like axe and he's this voodoo looking guy that looks like he's about eight feet tall he lets his defenses down and says you know like it's okay I want to feel this and just doesn't move and he and the guy just damn near cuts his like right arm completely off just and the nanites of course quickly heal him but he just he ends this guy quickly and it's brutal but yet you can feel that visceral get this guy because they drew magic and they wrote magic to a, a point where you cared about her character and the bloodshot character is written to where he cares about her so that you can just sort of sense that and that that revenge that he wants and he i thought that this this Batty would have a chance, he doesn't. And the way it's it's done artistically with the multiple sort of different shaped panels on this two-page splash is fantastic. It's a, I wish I had, I want that as art on my wall. But that was enough to read this just to see this battle and how it goes a little differently where our character shows some vulnerability but at the same time just hell-bent on revenge. So check out Bloodshot 12. That's Jeff Lemire writing, Lemire, and art by Louis LaRosa. Gorgeous. Just that, I'd say it's the most realistic looking, uh, simple yet realistic looking of the art this week. So that's you have to check that out. It's gorgeous. And uh, next up, number four is Department H. And Department H is Dark Horse Comics. It's a number one Matt Kent and Charlene Kent. So maybe they're a husband-wife team, like the Allreds, probably. But this has a Jeff Lemire art style in it. It's very sort of watercolory, almost crayon-looking. The paper stock they've used is a thinner sort of paper stock that has this sort of notebooky-like feel. It's just a non-glossy, flat eggshelly style paper that has a little already a little yellow tinge to it so it already has this unique kind of cool feel we can really smell the print and it's just cool in your hand thick cardstock but at the paper stock but the watercoloring style of it is gorgeous now this is a simple kind of murder mystery s story set in like it reminds me of the movie abyss a, a station under underwater miles and miles below at the bottom of the ocean so it has some 20,000 leagues under the sea feel to it 
there's a futuristic sci-fi element because the pod, the submergible they're they're in is very unique looking and has like sort of robotic-like tentacles from the bottom of it. So it's very much sort of based on sort of a squid-like animal design. Even the sort of mech she's swimming around in later has a lot of these sort of tentacles floating off of it. It's so very different looking in, in its sci-fi feel. I, I really dug that. She, they break down the advanced technology of her dive suit, the H2 dive suit at the very beginning, which I kind of thought was cool. Little extra little splash little feature. The art style though is very simplistic, very pencil-y, kind of scratchy style, except for the watercoloring paint. You can almost, on like page three, it feels like this page is wet, like it should be with the, the watercoloring style. And the flashbacks are done in minimal color. I dig that. So you clearly know it's a flashback. And this young woman has to go to this underwater station uh, to find out who murdered her father. So kind of heavy stuff. This definitely has a, a heaviness to it, a feel to it, the way he draws this main character who looks sort of Native American. She's brown. But you can see the sort of tension in her face. You can see the sadness that she carries with her. So it, it kind of emotes really well, that particular emotion, and just hangs there for a while. Which uh, even this sort of large cast that you're introduced to, they all seem to not really like her, the way they look at her. Like they're all part of who, who killed her father, maybe? That's what I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess now. That they all collectively uh, killed her father. And why? I don't know. The flashback of the father seems to be this this nice old white bearded man and you don't understand why and she has this moment where she has to take this mech sub pod out to where her father's body is to examine it and it it hits you it really does and very minimal text at that point very you know not a lot of dialogue at that moment it's like this quiet moment of her her father's corpse floating around in the water in this room but man you're introduced to this cast of uh, nudniks <laughs> that I think were responsible for her father's death, and she is sort of emotional, uh, romantically involved with one of the players in this. So it's a whodunit, and I'm in. I dig it. It's has this dark, sort of heavy feel to it. Like I said, art style, much like Jeff Lemire when he draws, like Sweet Tooth, is what initially comes into mind from looking at this. So check out Department H number one. Grab it. It's uh, very, very good. I enjoyed it. That's why it was my number four. So top three. Here we go. Number three is Tokyo Ghost, number six from Image Comics. Rick Remender on writing and the fantastic Sean Murphy on art. If you haven't bought anything Sean Murphy, you need to seek it, find it, buy it immediately. It's really, really good. But... This is kind of a big reveal issue as well because we understand why it's called Tokyo Ghost. We are introduced to the ghost of Tokyo. I like when they switch that around, or it's funny sometimes. And it's called Tokyo Ghost, but the character's name is the Ghost of Tokyo. Like, <laughs> just flip that. But this isn't you're you're initially introduced to the craziest sort of characters I think you'll uh, have ever possibly written in comics. I mean, they're 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 nursery rhyme characters based on. I think Little Miss Muffet and Jack B. Nimble, I'm not sure, but they it's like the Joker and Harlequin. These two are nuts, and they're <laughs> doing sort of uh, risque things to each other, uh, and the, I love that their henchmen 
are dressed in these sort of Humpty Dumpty like suits I guess and they're recording them talking about how they're going to kill all these politicians if their ransom isn't met and they're recording them and yet they're they're getting it on right in the middle of it and <laughs> the henchmen are disgusted by this so like you could, from the looks on their face this must happen a lot <laughs> and they're just kind of tired of it like groan here they go groping each other again so lead busts in on the scene our constable who is this nano jacked he's like the bad guy now he went from what a what a journey this character's gone on that's the big draw he went from where you he was this mindless oaf and then they went to this garden of eden in tokyo and he got off the drugs got off the nano machines and 24 7 plugged into the garbage internet in this world really paints the internet is this horrible thing <laughs> it's like 24 7 uh horrible reality shows and and porn commercials it's just a mess but he's plugged into it so now he's back into it again they destroyed tokyo he single-handedly killed mostly everyone in this garden of eden the last sort of the, the last the last little precious bit of nature in this this gritty metallic blade runner kind of world and He's there to stop the two nursery rhyme characters, but in the long haul of this crazy action scene, the, all the politicians are killed. Kilt! And so he's like, it's just this, this one-man wrecking machine with very little care for life. He's on his little mission to kill these two bad guys, and that's all he does, regardless of who around him gets hurt or how much property damage is inflicted upon. He just doesn't care. He's got his... His awesome, you know, motorcycle that he goes all over the place with and these swords. He hacks people up with all these crazy guns. He doesn't really say anything. He's just hell-bent. It's like Terminator on a mission here. And after that exchange is done, the real meat of this episode for me, this issue, is when we are, uh, they do reveal who the ghost of Tokyo is. I don't want to spoil it, uh, so I want you to read it. It's, it's... Well done. You see it coming in a way. It's not a, a big surprise, but the visual part of it is fantastic. The dialogue there at the end as to who the ghost of Tokyo is is just well done. And I'm in on this. It feels like it's might be coming to an end because it's kind of gone from full circle from the how the character led was, this constable sort of uh, Judge Dreddy kind of character, if you will, to getting off and clean and then now back to being this brainless this insane murderous death machine and so the reveal is the who the Tokyo ghost is the ghost of Tokyo and I enjoy it visually stunning and the fight scenes here are amazing and it is just continually consistent good writing fantastic writing from Rick Remender and anything Sean Murphy draws I'm, I'm buying and I have in the past so get it so coming in at number two is the final issue of Huck, issue number six, which final issue, question mark, written by Mark Millar and art by Raphael Albuquerque. And this is where we really find that the mother's powers are very much like the purple man. She touches you and tells you to do something and you do it. And this is the sort of final showdown between the evil scientist that created uh, Huck from and I guess created his mother who has superpowers as well in that they want to militarize him clone him find out how to you know take his super soldier serum <laughs> if you will and use it on 
uh, selling it to other countries to make an army, an invincible army. So this is just a fight between the other female character that the scientist has unleashed upon Huck's mother, and so they have a fight. It's very action-y based, and Huck fights his quote-unquote brother. That's this clone slash machine that was made to believe it was his brother. So there's this emotional attachment there as well because Huck really wanted a brother, and it just seems so such a violation to him. And it's even worse that he has to fight him because he really wanted him to be his brother. And so it's a final showdown. It's the finale. It's the it's the fist of cuffness. It's an awesome the way that Albuquerque writes action here. The close-ups on the faces and just the kinetic movement and energy, the streaky lines to really show speed. It's just so well done. It's what you want. The the panels are all over the place, different shapes, sizes. The color palette is just gorgeous blues and greens. It's it's a quick read. It is a very quick read, but this had my heart, this Forrest Gump-like strongman that has superpowers that ultimately just does good deeds for people. And it's heartwarming in that regard. And we get to see him go back to that without saying every detail of the fight scene. But that's what I really wanted was to have him going back on his little good deeds and going back to his list of things that he wants to do. And it's just heartwarming and it's feel good. And it hits you right, uh, right... Right in the right in the chest, and I couldn't enjoy this anymore. I, I mean, I, yeah, I couldn't. <laughs> but Huck, fantastic finale, very well done. Check it out, issue number six. Thank you, Mark Millar, for this fantastic series. If you do something more with this, I wonder where you could go with it. I say leave it as is. It's done. It's finite. But it does leave maybe a little question mark as to is there going to be more of this, and what the mom does to the scientist. Yeah, very cool. Very Purple Man-esque. So, I dug it. That's why it's my number two. Sad to see it go, but it was a good happy ending. That's what, I, that's what we all wanted. And they, he just, Mark Millar gave it to us. With extra butter on top. <laughs> and the number one pick of the week this week for New Comic Book Day, April 20th. One of my all-time favorite comics of all time. Invincible. Number 127. Can't believe this is a 127 and it's still so engaging, so emotionally intense. Robert Kirkman on writing. And this is a fill-in penciler and inkler, Cory Walker. I think Cory Walker has done a couple of episodes, issues of Invincible in the past. Because he's nailing it. In his own sort of style, but also very much uh, an homage to uh, Ryan Otley's fantastic art. And the coloring, fantastic job here. It stays within the vein. It's not one thing you don't really want, I think, with a guest artist and inker is just to for them to go totally nuts and just do their own style. It's within Ryan Otley's look because amazing that Ryan Otley's done so many of these. I mean, out of the 127, I'd say he's maybe missed. If I were to guess, maybe five that Ryan Otley didn't draw that had you know fill-ins, which is insane. The guy must be drawing Invincible 24/7, but. This is uh, Mark, our main character, lost five years. He's back home now with his, his, uh, with his girlfriend, wife, baby daddy, and his daughter aged five years. And the, the way that his face is drawn here, the emotion, the sadness that hits him continually, that he missed five years of his daughter's life, it's just gut-wrenching. Because they do it so well with the facial emotions and the tears on his face. It's the close-up of, of him hugging his daughter and... And his daughter saying, I still love you. Like, it's just giving me the chills, like, reading it again. 
and the you know his his girlfriend has been without Mark for uh, for five years. Like yeah, she definitely is 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 putting him off a little bit, but she's still embracing him. Thank goodness. So you're um, um, like initially I'm like oh okay good. She didn't like marry someone else or or have other kids. You're like okay she's a uh, and it was like a like a sigh of relief. You're like ah. Oh. So I mean you're so invested into these characters if you've read even just this last arc that the way it's written is, is well done. I would say, as far as Robert Kirkman goes in regards to writing a relationship, this has been my favorite of any relationship of any sort of comic I can think of from Walking Dead to you name it, to Outcast, that is special and is important and you don't want it to end and you're, you're protective of them. And I love that because I'm fully in and invested. So this is him trying to deal with, yeah, he was gone for five years trying to save the world and his... His, his wife and kid kind of don't know him again and they're getting to know each other and there's that empty scene with with him in the bed they, they went to bed together but then she's gone she doesn't want to sleep near him so you know something is there and uh, yeah she does tell him that there's there's someone else like is there someone else right now I mean yeah it's a little maybe on the soap opera feel of it but I love it you see that his brother is aged because his brother is this half sort of lotus grasshopper alien where they age rather quickly, and now his brother looks older than him. He has like, you know, a hair, his hairline is, his hair is thinning, and he's got his the pencil thin mustache. He looks a lot like his dad, and he was kind of a thin, wiry guy, and now he's like muscular and and big. And there's a reveal at the end. I mean, of course, this is a Robert Kirkman comics. So there's always a cliffhanger and a reveal, but ultimately, this was a gun gut wrenching sort of, in a way, kind of sad episode of how Mark is dealing with. His family being without him for five years, and, tra- and it was only a blink for him. It was only a short period of time for him, and yet they're dealing with five years. So, yeah, complex issues here, and they're still on this other planet, which is amazing looking. And are they going to stay there? And, of course, the president wants them to jump back into battle and jump back into war with uh, the, the Voltramites that are they're always... They're always scheming, they're always planning, they're always attempting to take over worlds and destroy planets, etc. Uh, which is, you know, of course, Mark's heritage is uh, family, or at least half. He's half human, half Ultraman, if I'm saying that right. But just such, it's, it's such a fantastic superhero comic. It's top-notch. It's A+. You have to see it. It's It has adult themes. It's got humor. It's got a mixture of everything in it, and science fiction, and aliens, and hugely relationship-based from when his father is around. And I kind of miss seeing his dad, so I hope they bring him back soon, but... This is all about Mark and how really how much he cares for his wife and child. I forget if they're married or not, but it doesn't matter. His, his baby mama and his child, and she's just adorable. And so that's why it just it hit me. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's because you know, Prince passed away. Who knows what it was, but I, I clearly made this the number one pick of the week. Easy pick. So there you go. There you have it. There's our show. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And I will next week. I actually have. Uh, 15 comics that I will be grabbing and three number ones that I'm hoping to tell you about hopefully I'll check them out on Wednesday see if they're any good for April 27th new comic book day Uh, don't forget if you want to potentially win a free little comic book prize just send me an email to chris at sunspots comics with a question with a recommendation whatever it is if I pick you and I read your information on the pod on a future podcast I'll send you a little comic book prize and don't forget the contest for sunspots comics mystery box uh, if you'd like to enter in for your chance to win a free comic book box worth over 75 bucks, just follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sunspots Comics and, of course, Facebook.com slash 
Sunspots Comics. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes. That's all you got to do. You're automatically entered. That's all you got to do. And I will announce the winner on May 4th. So thank you very much. And as always, please do what you love, love what you do. And <laughs> I will catch you later. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Coast to coast, hips and lips, chips and whips. Ah.